0: what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 217 of uncovering Unexplained mysteries for thursday march 4th 2021 in like a lamb out like a lion what is i don't know how the phrase goes but the weather is finally starting to heat
1: up here talking (laughs) about the seasons and all that um well yeah it's starting to heat up over here as well um it's not as warm as it probably is over there but no um we haven't had any really cold weather for the past few days. It's been a lot of sun and uh, not uh, much in terms of uh, even a wind chill factor. It hasn't even been raining lately either. You know what I noticed about the news that I fucking
0: hate is that. They love to talk about, like, all this awful shit constantly. Like, they loved talking about, like, the awful blizzards and snowstorms that were going on in certain parts of the country. And then when everything, like, gets fixed or, you know, the storm goes away and people repair the damaged buildings or whatever, the, the news never follows up with the positive shit. They never say, oh, you know, we're happy to say that... Pennsylvania has recovered from the blizzard and everything's fine. They just they just no because
1: that doesn't sell. Well, they Nobody, just don't even mention it.
0: They they, they they well yeah. And like when coronavirus it was hitting a record high, like it hit three hundred thousand new cases a few months ago. They ha- they were so they had such an, an, a a rock hard erection to talk about how, how how high the cases were going. But then when the cases start yeah. plummeting, they said nothing. They just didn't mention coronavirus.
1: And it's well, like yeah. why I'm can't looking you get... at a website? I'm looking at Yahoo News right now, and all of the main headlines are all about somebody getting arrested, somebody getting murdered, right. somebody, uh, you know, getting uh, involved in some kind of altercation. Like, it's all uh, negative and uh, bad news, really, if you think about it. I mean, I feel like it's like
0: super irresponsible for the mental health of Americans to constantly be beating us over the head with all this negativity, and then not giving us the flip side of the coin when things start getting better. Well, the flip
1: side of the coin you get is like this sappy stuff the stupid puff piece at the the, end like the little girl who played
0: who can play violin and she's only four years old it's like yeah Yeah, that's you know big fucking whoop tell me how about telling me when that hey coronavirus is down like fucking 70 percent than it was even two months ago why don't you mention that shit but if they do mention it it's it's like in passing because it's almost like they don't want they, 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 It'll
1: be on the little crawl on the bottom of the screen. Yeah, like they don't. They don't want people to stop watching the, the news.
0: Yeah, you know, because oh, well, everything's fine. Well, I now. think they
1: might look at they might look at the positive stories as being boring. I think that's the thing.
0: It's the news. It's not a it drama. Is. It's not a. It's not supposed to be entertaining, or it's supposed that's to just what be news the news is
1: now. That's what news is, and that's what news that. has been for decades. It's been that way since forever except local news Um, local
0: news is really the last the last front you have to get news that is as unbiased as possible the local news just gives you not
1: necessarily uh, they just it depends on what on what a local news station you're watching well
0: i don't know how it is over there in washington but in jacksonville um yeah
1: we have, like, two... I mean, if you want the happy story about somebody <clears throat> picking up the pieces after a uh, natural disaster, you get that on reality shows now. You get that from, like, Bar Rescue when John Taffer goes to uh, help out someone who had their bar wrecked by Hurricane Katrina. You know, that, that's where you get those kind of stories. You don't really get them on, on the news.
0: Yeah, it's just fucking annoying because it it, it it's like... As soon as they can't sensationalize something anymore, they just—they literally just like, okay, turn turn away from that. Don't don't pay attention to the coronavirus anymore because that's not sensational enough anymore. So we, you know, now let's focus on this brutal beating of an unarmed man. You know, it's just uh, you know, here comes another thing, and you know that the coronavirus is getting better because the the U.S. government is starting to fuck with other countries again, like Iran and apparently syria
1: syria yeah it's
0: it's like you know the coronavirus is getting when the united all last year did the united states fuck with any country not that i can think of maybe uh korea said a few nasty things but for the most part everyone was just like leaving each other alone and kind of focusing on the pandemic but now it's like all right shit's trending downward we got like three or four different vaccines out now it's time to go back to fucking with other countries again Ugh. the one thing that the <laughs> one thing that i liked about donald trump is that it seemed like he had more of uh a just you know fuck off with the other countries kind of policy like let's just focus on our country and our problems and not be the world police and i now i feel like biden is like back to sticking his dick in other countries. that's not
1: necessarily true, it's just in a different sort of uh, fashion. I mean, we still (laughs) haven't left Afghanistan or Iraq, so I mean we still have troops over there Yeah, but that's a really that's a really slow process I know, but at the same time, this is this is a war that has lasted longer than Vietnam, and I always find it really Uh, frustrating that after Vietnam there was this whole thing that never again there will never be another Vietnam and then this whole thing in Iraq is literally just another Vietnam it's like three times as long at this point
0: shit I feel like uh, 2023 will be like 20 years we've been at war with Afghanistan that's what
1: I'm saying war with Iraq or whatever the hell I mean Jesus Christ like enough (laughs) leave
0: yeah for real but anyway, this um, isn't uh, this isn't Politico. This isn't uh, no the built built Real Time with Bill Maher podcast. This is the Uncovering Unexplained fucking mysteries. We podcast. We didn't even
1: ask. We didn't ask each other how we're doing. We're just straight into uh, complaining about the news. Well, and, I just and I just talking about so politics. fucking annoyed at the
0: news. <laughs> so I guess um, on my end, I mean, no one really brought up my little melodrama <laughs> with the two people who screwed me over the the female who shall remain nameless and the Uh former good friend who shall remain nameless. Um, I honestly haven't heard anything from them. I gave her back a bunch of stuff that she gave me because
1: ghosting you.
0: Oh no! I blocked <laughs> I blocked her on everything, and then he blo- yeah. he preemptively blocked me. I guess.
1: Oh wow!
0: Yeah, I guess, okay. I guess, like right. before yeah. I even found out what was going on, I was already blocked by him. So he knew. Wow. He knew I was gonna wow. find out, and he didn't want to confront me. Of course, his excuse was like, "Oh, What I, a bitch." Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it was a bitch move. He he did a lot of bitch moves that really surprised me. Um, I didn't think that he uh you know, I mean, I don't know, whatever, I mean, it's, my whole thing is, like, you know, that was so disrespectful, and that was so, like, conniving, like, I just, like, how, how, I don't know how he's ever gonna be in my life again, like, the sad thing is, we got along really great on everything else, but it's, like, what am I just supposed to, like, Never bring any women around you because I'm always gonna have to worry about you like trying to mac on them behind my back. And I mean, most of the times it hasn't worked because he has tried, but uh, this this time I guess I don't know, I don't know if it worked or not. I don't know if they're together. I don't know, and I don't want to fucking know. I just I just said both of them did uh sketchy ass shit behind my back and now they're out of my life. And for you listening out there. If you got situations like that, you know there is no shame in cutting someone Absolutely out of your. Absolutely not. Even even if it hurts, even if it's like, but I mean, and you know, you start to rationalize. And you're like, but it wasn't that bad, and you know, well, it's like, no, that that is sketchy and toxic as hell, and they do not have because your best wh- who's interest to in say mind. That
1: they won't. Who's to say that they won't take it further? You know. It's
0: just a bad it's a bad character stuff. trait to have in someone yeah. and I mean I look I I have trust
1: a- is huge. Trust is is absolutely uh, important in a relationship whether it's fr- a friendship or or uh, a relationship with a partner. Dude, trust, it, trust one is, one is literally
0: yeah. everything. It's everything. And yeah. once you lose trust, I don't care who it is um, it is, it is damaged for a really long time, and it's really hard to get it back. Because people don't really change, you know? I mean, they can, but it's, it's fucking rare. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to... Let me get this podcast right. Okay, here it is. Uh, I want to give a shout-out mm. to Resolved Mysteries podcast. Oh. Uh, they actually... Uh, we're talking about the Kelsey House hauntings, and they actually brought up my interview with Suzanne Kelsey as, like, a source for, like, they listen. Oh, hey. Yeah, they listened to my interview, and they, like, used her, uh, you, my interview as, like, you know, new information, because, you know, not many people are going out and trying to interview these people, but a lot of people still love the show, so... I mean, honestly, I will go out on a limb and say I was the first and possibly only person, like, in, independently that went out and found people f- from the show and interviewed them on this podcast, and I feel like we don't really get enough credit for that.
1: But, no. Um, I mean, we even interviewed uh, the, the director of photography for, like, 300 some episodes. Yeah, so Kevin O'Brien, well.
0: um, and he, you know, yeah. the cinematographer, and um, Don Devereaux, uh-huh. which was still my favorite guy to talk to, and then you had... Um, God, uh donna uh donna fuck what was it donna parks uh who was the
1: sister well, like donna dixon <laughs> who was the sister of um, dan Aykroyd's wife
0: <laughs> you know the matthew mcconaughey guy who got gunned i forget the name yeah. of the dude I, i'm such a dick and then of course uh, suzanne kelsey you know uh, the mom mm-hmm. who lived in the fucking house that yeah. was you know very haunted apparently so yeah. Anyway, just just tooting my own horn there for a little bit. I'd love to interview some more people from the show, but it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a thing where they have to like comment on they, I don't, again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always our YouTube channel. They always that's always through the YouTube channel that they find us. And so I don't know if someone they come across our channel and they comment and you know I reach out to them and they want to come on and talk then I'm open to that.
1: I mean, because it's kind of hard to contact them on social media, and that's kind of creepy. It's not kind of creepy. It is really creepy. It's I don't think it's creepy. Cre- I don't think it's creepy at thing. all. It's for a podcast. It's not. No, no, no. What I meant is, like, if you, like, go and find them on social media and then, like, send them a message, it, you know, I I don't know. I don't think that's it's, creepy it's at all. A, eh.
0: I think it's it creepy if you're messaging them because, like, you want to hang out and be friends. That's creepy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it just depends on on how you word things. You know. But I can see why some people would be like I don't know you like why would I would start even, out by saying, you know.
0: I even emailed, I went on uh, Robert Stack's daughter's website and I emailed her or messaged her from her website. Well, I didn't know about
1: this. That that's that's a that's a new one. Yeah,
0: I I messaged her a long time ago and I told her, you know, I'm the host of this podcast that talks about Unsolved Mysteries. And, um, you know, we have, you know, however many listeners a month, you know, is a, I think it was like 40,000 plays a month at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a, you know, smaller audience, but definitely not like, you know, a, we have 100 listeners, you know, so it was like decent enough to, you know, if she wanted to promote anything or whatever, it could be like a, you know, not a bad... Thirty minutes of her day to do that, and she never got back to me. It might have been because I mentioned the fact that I had a tattoo of her dad on my arm. Uh, that, uh, that 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 might yeah. me mentioning that detail uh, might have creeped her the fuck out. Uh, yeah, but I didn't. I don't have a host of her dad on my, or I don't have a tattoo of her dad on my arm. I have a tattoo of the host of Unsolved Mysteries on my arm because that's the guy that I like. I don't know anything about Robert Stack uh, personally. You know, I just I just love his character on Unsolved Mysteries
1: that he kind of. Well, that's still Robert Stack. So, yeah, but I I could I can maybe see where she's coming from if she made the decision based on that. Or maybe she's just like, I don't know who this is. And it could be spam. And I don't really have the time for this. Or John
0: Cosgrove. (laughs) Like when she's about to open the email, John puts his hand over her hand on the mouse and he just instantly hits delete. And he's like, trust me, you don't want to deal with these guys. They're real bastards. They're trying to make money uh, off your father's name.
1: It's like Cosgrove denied. out. And then he
0: jumps through the ceiling, busts through the ceiling, ceiling like he's Superman. Uh. She's got a little penny whistle whenever she's in trouble. She just whistles, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And then he, like, you know, pops in. <laughs> So we're covering. Um, we've been covering the Unsolved Mysteries podcast lately um, because, quite frankly, that's the most new material we have to draw from. We've covered all the Netflix episodes and digging up old ones. There's some
1: Netflix documentary uh, documentary series uh, that I still would like to cover on the show sometime. There was a new one that came out it was about the Mormons that that, yeah I saw uh, I saw the first episode of that
0: and then I took a nap in the middle of the first episode not because it was boring but I just got done eating lunch and I've been on this Lexapro anti-anxiety medication and it it just makes you You just went into a food coma yeah exactly um (laughs) so I need to rewatch it but yeah that looks that looks all right um but yeah, anyway, so the uh, we the, we talked about the first episode of the podcast and the second episode of the podcast and kind of how we felt about the new official Unsolved Mysteries podcast and how, you know, the production's really good. I like the narrator and all that. And, and the, the, the ball cemetery was kind of eh. But then the second episode was pretty good and pretty enjoyable. And um, now we've hit another rough patch with this episode. This was... Uh, I messaged Mike earlier today, and I said episode three of the podcast is pretty weak. And then Mike's like, "Weak is an understatement."
1: <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Uh, uh, I'm gonna try not to be too harsh, but um, that's normally not my style. So uh, screw it. it, fuck it. I, I thought it sucked. <laughs> I really did. I thought this. Uh, I thought this particular episode of the podcast. Was uh, very bare bones. There wasn't much to this at all. This is the kind of case that would have never been covered on on the original series. No, because there's not enough there. There's not enough interest. There's not enough intrigue. There's not even enough evidence. There's not even enough anything to really spark a conversation. I mean, at least a significant one.
0: When you can take an episode or a segment and you can boil it down to. There was a lady who went out dancing. Her body was found dead a few days later. Police don't know who did it. I mean literally that's that's the episode. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the 34 minute episode yeah. boiled down in 20 seconds. Uh-huh. Now uh again same music, production values, and narrator and all that and and that's that's fantastic,
1: but man, the story was so fucking lacking on this one. Um the best parts uh, of uh, the podcast uh, that this week for me was uh, some of the interviews, some of the quotes from uh, uh, people involved. Uh, I think uh, I, I, is it a sister or some relative of of uh, Nori's. Yeah, it was a sister and Liz, her sister, Liz, and and when she was talking about uh, how. She hasn't really felt something as cold to her as uh, her sister's hand when she held her uh, cold dead hand. Uh, so that that was a a, a pretty poetic uh, uh, quote, and and definitely was really uh, um, quite captivating in, in in its tragedy, you know, and how how tragic it is, and I I, I thought it created some really. Uh, I don't know if I would say good, because it's not like a bright and cheery thing, but it it did create uh, some uh, interesting imagery in my head. You know, the the whole idea of uh, ice and all these other really cold things not being as cold, despite them actually being uh, uh, colder in real life, but it just doesn't really have the same impact. Um, so I'm, gonna,
0: I'm just going to go through the kind of some of the narration here from the transcript so you can get kind of an idea of the case. But really, there's not a whole lot to this one. Um, but, you know, anyway. So Saturday, October 31st, 2009 is a rainy Halloween night in Washington, D.C. But that doesn't stop 38-year-old Nori Amaya from dressing up and heading out to go salsa dancing. Oh, by the, by the way, the name of this episode is The Salsa Queen Murder. Like
1: And that's the most memorable thing about this episode is the title The Salsa Queen I mean, Murder.
0: If you're dealing with like a murder case, could you not make the, the title of the murder cheeky, you know? Like there's a little bit of cheekiness in that uh in that title, the Salsa Queen murder. Like Well, they did that a lot, didn't they? I mean, not not really. Not to this level of uh I mean it, it almost it almost seems like you're meant to kind of laugh at it you know when you when you read it like
1: fucking well if she was a salsa queen in terms of you know a salsa dancer and, and you know was kind of uh maybe there was a competition or something
0: anyway maybe
1: that it's um, not that unheard of So it's Halloween
0: night, Uh, 38-year-old Nori uh, Amaya is dressing up and she's going to go out salsa dancing. She's unmatched on the dance floor. Her precise movements and unique style have have earned her the nickname the Salsa Queen. Nori seems to be having a great time until about 2 a.m. when she suddenly leaves the dance floor, clearly upset. One friend even recalls seeing tears behind her Halloween mask. Seems like that'd be difficult to see, but whatever. Uh, Nori gets in a taxi and heads home alone. What happens next in the next two days is a real life ha- Halloween horror
1: story. Uh, it's like it really set things up great, yeah. Like I gotta gotta be honest, like the alliteration, uh, the way that the the script was uh written for the narrator, like it really did grab you. It's like, oh, you know, I got Halloween say, and I like Steve French stuff like as a narrator. Yeah, I do. I, I like him as well, too. Like, they should get him hosting,
0: they should get him narrating the damn Netflix show. I'm, I guarantee it would be way better. So I don't know if there's going to be any more yeah, episodes maybe not. in the Netflix show. No, maybe not. <laughs> so, it's Sunday, the day after Halloween in 2009. Noria Maya is scheduled to work at a party at the restaurant she owns with her brother, Carlos Amaya. But she doesn't show. Carlos knows he can't reach Nori on her cell phone. A cab company has called to say that she left it in a taxi on Halloween night. Carlos is annoyed. He assumes that Nori is still recovering for her late night of partying, Halloween partying, but at the same time, he's starting to grow concerned. It isn't like Nori to be out of touch for two days. Later that day, when the restaurant opens at 5 o'clock, she still hasn't shown up. Carlos and his sister, Liz Pacheco, meet at the restaurant, then drive the one and a half miles to the one... Woodner apartment complex where Nori lives on the 11th floor. The door is still locked and Nori doesn't answer when they knock. Um, so they go inside and uh, Carlos opens the door to her room and they see that a uh, blanket is covered over her and Carlos pulls the blanket back. Uh, Nori is pretty much just wearing her uh, panties and is nude and is clearly has ligature marks around her neck and all kinds of other various markings and they reasonably enough freak out and uh they call the police and um so the most agonizing question for Carlos and Liz is what if the killer's hiding in plain sight? You know, these are the questions that have haunted Carlos and Liz for more than a decade. How could something like this happen to someone like Noria Maya? Uh, When Noi was 32, she was working in hotel management. Carlos, who was two years younger, had purchased an Italian restaurant called Copies and needed help running the place. When he invited Noi to assist him, she quit her job and was there the next day. Noi wasn't the type of person to shy away from challenges. In her late 20s, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor that required painful surgeries. It was a long and difficult rehab, and salsa dancing helped with her recovery. Nori's job at the restaurant fit perfectly into her dream lifestyle. She could go dancing every night after work without having to worry about waking up early the next morning. And Halloween night 2009 was no exception. The holiday fell on a Saturday, perfect for Nori to get dressed up and salsa dance till the wee hours of the morning. But this Halloween is different. Nori has recently broken up with someone she's been dating for about a year. It was her choice to end the relationship, but she's feeling down and sad about the split. Um... A popular D.C. restaurant owner um, found dead in her... Oh, okay, they're doing like a little news report clip. When Carlos Amaya and Liz Pacheco discover their sister Nori dead in her apartment, they call the D.C. Metropolitan Police. Uh, the homicide team responds immediately, and Detective Tony Patterson is assigned as a lead investigator. And you got Tony being quoted here saying, We got on the scene and we identified her brother and sister who found her. Her apartment had not been ransacked. Looks like when she came into her apartment, she took her clothes off when she entered because her, the dress that uh, she still had on, was still on the, in the front room. Mask was still there. Mask was in the living room as well, on the couch. So it looked like she disrobed when she entered her apartment and went directly to her bedroom. Uh, she was found. Uh, she was on her back, clad in underwear. That's all she had on. She had uh, ligature marks on her neck, so we know that she was strangled. She had some bruising, some scratches just below her lip. I remember some contusions on her arms, as if a knee or something was placed on both arms, like maybe she had been pinned down. Uh, Noi's hands provide another disturbing piece of evidence. Her sister Liz points specifically to Noi's fingernails. Uh, my sister was very well known for her beautiful long nails, so to see them short was really weird. Why her n- her nails so short? Detective Patterson says it looked like they had been cut off, or cut to the quick, if you will. We never found the fingernails, and I believe that she scratched the individual, and that's why they cut her fingernails. Oh, yeah, because it would leave DNA under the fingernails.
1: Yeah, that that really is uh, an, an interesting uh, bit of uh, evidence there. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like evidence. a professional
0: jo- uh, hit job to me.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, but also someone else might just be like, I, I gotta cut the fingernails off. You know? Or maybe somebody... It's some creeper. Some really, like, sick fuck who just clipped him off so he could keep him for himself. There's that, too. The medical examiner
0: concludes that she was strangled with a single ligature. The police find a, U- a USB cable at the scene, but Noy's DNA isn't on it. That leaves investigators without a murder weapon, and they can find no fingerprints that belong to the killer. Whoever murdered Noy was careful to cover his tracks but he did leave behind one significant clue, his DNA. We found there was male DNA on Nori's body, two areas of her body, so right now it's just unknown male DNA. The police began tracking Nori's movements on Halloween, the last night that she was seen alive. They interview friends who report that she spent the entire evening dancing at several different clubs. Detective Patterson says, Halloween night, we know where Nori was up to, what Nori was up to... Uh, 2 and after midnight she had gone to a club in the northwest section of washington dc and we were able to pull video footage from the club at around 2 a.m she leaves that club and then we're, we have later video of her as she arrived in her apartment building around 2:30 in the morning a cab pulls up nori exits the cab comes into the lobby of her apartment building she stops briefly and talks to the security guard at the front desk and then she proceeds to walk through the lobby and that's the last time she's seen alive The Woodner Apartments where Nori lived is Washington, D.C.'s largest apartment complex with 12 floors and over 1,100 units. The front desk is manned 24 hours a day. Key cards are required to enter and visitors need to sign in at the front desk. There are security cameras throughout the building and the garage. Detective Patterson is confident that his team will be able to identify noise killer in security footage. Detective Patterson. Her apartment building is huge. We pulled the surveillance from probably six different cameras in the lobby of her building, but because it was Halloween, anybody and everybody that was coming in and out of the building was wearing a mask. Everybody was masked up. I mean, the next day, people were still coming into the building wearing masks. I I was never able to identify any of her known associates. I never saw anybody that she had been hanging out with earlier come into the building. The security footage is no help, but then Detective Patterson gets what he thinks might be a break in the case. Someone admits to entering Nori's apartment the morning that her body was found. And this, this ends up just being an exterminator, and he just proceeded with his extermination and didn't even notice. Because she was covered up, I guess. He didn't notice yeah. that, there, that she was in there. And the detective let him know that uh, you know there was a, a dead body in there, and he was pretty upset about that. Uh, I think they gave him a polygraph test and he passed. Um, Detective Patterson says, I felt that whoever killed her was someone that she knew because people who kill you, if they don't know you, they aren't worried about how you look or someone finding you. This is someone who definitely knew her and they just probably after killing her, they couldn't look at her body and they just covered her up. That's been my experience. Detectives interview everyone that Nori and Maya interacted with on Halloween night. Their only significant clue is the male DNA, and they're hoping to find a match. Investigators start with Nori's ex-boyfriend. The two had recently broken up. Detectives learn that he was at the club where Nori was dancing, and he is the reason she became upset and left early. He had been ignoring her. And uh, coming to find out, this dude's married, and he's got a wife, and nori is his side chick essentially yeah and she's getting to the age where she wants to settle down and i guess you know he's already settled down with a fucking
1: wife so it makes sense that he might be a a suspect you know in that regard because that would that would tie into the whole it's somebody she knew because that's the other part Of this very uh, bare bones case other than she was found dead uh, there's this whole uh, opinion and theory from uh, investigators that it had to be someone she knew. So because of the way that the body was covered up. Yeah. Because somebody who is just in it for the thrill they'd will not want to cover the body up more than likely they, they probably wouldn't see be cutting it.
0: the fingernails off either
1: no not at unless all unless it
0: was a trophy they wouldn't do it because yeah, they yeah. they're worried about dna um yeah. so detective patterson interviewed the guy three or four different times and his wife and they had numerous alibis uh, there were people who placed them at different locations throughout the night They got DNA from him. They got DNA from his wife as well. And the results came back negative. Um, Another close friend of Noy's quickly rises to the top of the suspect list. When asked if he had a key to Noy's apartment, he said no, but he's lying. Detective Patterson. I later learned that he did, in fact, have a key to her apartment. He was also one of the individuals who was seen with her on the surveillance cameras at the club where she was prior to going home. He also admitted that he walked her out of the club and hailed a cab for her. And she got in the cab and, according to him, uh, told him that she was going home. When looking at the footage from the building, uh, because I knew the clothing that he was wearing... uh, Wait, I think I skipped a sentence. When looking at the footage from her apartment building, uh, I was trying to see if I could spot him coming in the building or going out of the building because I knew the clothing he was wearing but never saw him. The DNA that was recovered from Nori's body did not come back uh, to this individual... What troubled me about him was he, in fact, uh, lied about having a key to the apartment. To this day, I honestly still think that he had some involvement. That's just my gut. And that's the only guy that Detective Patterson uh, says that about. Everybody else, uh, you know, because there's some other people and some other suspects. There was a third suspect who abruptly left the country within days of her death. And they even, the investigators even uh, fly out to Argentina where the guy f- went to, uh, apparently to, for his dad's funeral and they collected DNA from him there and he turned out to not be a match. And I'm thinking like, goddamn, how much of the taxpayers' money are they spending on this fucking case, you know, like flying out to yeah. Argentina just to get someone's yeah. DNA, like good God.
1: huh um, well uh with this case uh i i think he's uh definitely worthy of being a suspect yeah i mean he was on the security camera he lied about not having a key no that that was the I second mean, guy this is the third guy I'm that talking was the about. second guy okay yeah this is the guy uh, the who third fled g- the third guy seems a little bit more
0: uh i mean it could be coincidence that y- that yeah his it could dad- be coincidence Died and it was having a funeral, and it happened to be a few yeah. you know that kind of shit happens all the time, so I mean
1: that's just that's yeah. that's circumstantial that's not but the guy who had a key that's the one where it's kind of like that's the one that really stands out to me so because why would you lie about that I'll finish up here, and then I'll tell you what my theory
0: is It's been more than ten years since Nori Maya's murder. And this case is no closer to being solved than it was the day her body was found. Other than DNA, all investigators have our theories. And they don't believe her death was a random act of violence. This is what I think. I think that uh, the husband and wife uh, hired someone. Maybe the wife hired someone unbeknownst to the husband. Maybe the the, the husband hired someone unbeknownst to the wife. Um, because all they did was take their DNA samples. They didn't do any kind of like, I mean, they interviewed them, but, you know, think about it. Yes, they had alibis, so obviously they weren't there, but I mean, the job was just so, uh, I mean, there was just nothing there really. I mean, yeah, there was some DNA, but, you know, if it's a hired hitman, then yeah, you're never gonna, you're never gonna find that guy unless the husband and wife talk and reveal the name of the person. Um. Yeah, yeah
1: you know i think it would be more uh likely uh in that scenario that it's either or it's either the wife or the husband not both they were in yeah, on it
0: it could be either or because i mean you know what if what if nori was like threatening to like like expose him to his wife and then he gets a divorce uh-huh. and then you know she takes half his shit and blah 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 and it's like oh this is a yeah. loose end that i need to tie up and maybe he knows someone and you know he he, it's a hired hit and and you know she like the the guy takes the fingernails and you know it it sounds like a very professional
1: job to me and then i think that's a good point uh one that they i don't even think they brought up that theory in the podcast yeah because like honestly surprised they didn't they'll
0: never and 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 you know they always look at people close to her and none of their dna is matching well, if you hire a hitman, obviously he's not going to be close to her because he's he's a stranger to her. So the police are never going to randomly interview this guy cuz he's not even connected and to her. And is
1: the husband is he the one that had the key? No. To her apartment?
0: No. Her boyfriend, never. No. Oh, okay. But he is her boyfriend, so maybe um you know, he had a secret key or 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 was able to get access somehow because he was the boyfriend and um you know a ligature murdering someone like that way with like a ligature like and that's just basically like this thin like rope that you strangle someone with like strangling that's, yeah that's so, a very there was a
1: theory uh that someone uh mentioned in the podcast that it might have been like a, a usb cord or something like that
0: well no, yeah, they were just we, just we were just going over that but there was no
1: DNA yeah. found on the USB cord. There was no DNA found on the USB cord. Yeah, so but it could be a different thing. I mean, you know, it could be rope, could be, you know, Well, the wh- whatever, whatever the murder weapon
0: was, whatever the strangulation weapon was, the the guy took it with him.
1: Yeah. And I think he was in the room. Like he somehow got in the room before, you know, because she was very calm and relaxed and had just undressed. As if there was no one there, It's if she was forced to do that. Yeah, it
0: all to me. So, it all sounds like a. It doesn't sound like the heat of of the moment
1: kind yeah. of thing.
0: It sounds like a very professional no, job. It sounds
1: like somebody hiding in the closet or something, and then coming out with the with a rope and strangling her, and then right. And that's a very that's a very professional
0: method used by hitmen. Is 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 stra- is strangling because it's mm-hmm. it's the least messiest. They're not. Ble- it doesn't leave
1: any blood. You're not bleeding. You don't have leave any bullets. Right. You know? Exactly. It's fairly quick, I guess. Um, I think that's a good. I think that's a good theory. That's what yeah, I, I, think. I think. I think that's I think, one that has a lot of merit. You know,
0: I mean, for sure. If they're if 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 they're both going salsa, maybe dancing... maybe they should have
1: interviewed you. <laughs> yeah.
0: If they're both going salsa <laughs> dancing, like let's say you know they're around, if like they're from like. Um, some of those South, South American countries, you know, where the mob scene is big there. These people maintain these connections even when they're in the United States. I mean, like, they, so, it would be easier, I feel, for... Someone who
1: has some connection to the cartel. Y- yeah,
0: yeah, some kind of cartel. I mean, there's, there's, all, everyone likes to think of the Italian, like, the stereotypic Italian mafias. You know, no, everybody has, there's a, the Yakuza, everyone's got a mob. Every country has a mm-hmm. mafia of some kind. A mafia is just a you know definition of a, a, a um, organized group of uh, criminals essentially, um, and I mean how we have me here in the states with the biker gangs and shit. But um, so yeah, I mean that's honestly what I think is what happened. And um, you know a lie detector test would have been an interesting uh, technique used on the
1: uh, boyfriend. Yeah, but I don't think that would have necessarily proved anything. Because, uh, with the next case we're going to talk about, uh, there were two different lie detector tests. So, yeah, that's true. lie detector tests aren't even admissible in court. So, yeah. I don't even know if that's even, that would have even really done anything, even if he passed or failed. It really just kind of takes some of the heat off of you if you pass it.
0: Yeah. And if you, but
1: I don't think it should take all the heat off of you.
0: Well, then you look at, um, the case of um, old Douchey McGee, um, uh, an American murderer or whatever, that Netflix doc where the guys, I forget his name, where he, um, they made him do the lie detector test and he failed. And at that point, that's when he admitted to killing his wife and two kids. Yeah. Throwing yeah. him in a fucking oil drum or whatever it was. Yeah,
1: that was, that was, that was a crazy documentary, I'm sure. Um so yeah i don't have anything else to say about uh, hey, get, hey you know what case, mike neither or did the they. Salsa queen they had nothing else to say about it either <laughs> <laughs> well you said more about that case than they did yeah. with the whole theory about it being a professional hit yeah so um the next case though i don't think it was a professional hit uh i think it was a cut and dry case of a domestic uh uh, abuse and violent situation that went uh, horribly awry and, and wound up deadly. Uh, and that is the case of Michelle Witherell. And this is from uh, season 10, uh, episode three of the film Rise Unsolved Mysteries uh, episodes. And um, as soon as I saw the opening for this, I thought, okay, this, might, this is probably going to be uh, one worth talking about for the podcast. Because there there when we talk about there wasn't enough meat on the bone with the with the salsa queen case, uh, this is the kind of case you can look at in comparison to show you where there's there's more meat. There's more se- this there's, was there's, a, there's perfect, a lot more to it. This was it. a
0: perfect like segment for unsolved mysteries because it is so fucking mysterious and so Yes. Uh, such a dramatic case you know it's not just uh someone being found dead in in their bed and oh we don't know who did this was someone who was found who fell off a balcony and there was only one person there to witness it and only he knows what happened and yeah exactly so uh
1: michelle witherell was a 24 year old newlywed who moved with who moved in uh with her husband jeremy Uh, from their home in Denver, Colorado to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On the evening of December 19th, 1992, she was found near death on the asphalt underneath their third-story apartment balcony. Uh, I gotta give the folks who worked on the reenactment a lot of credit for how they shot uh, her lying on the asphalt. Uh, The angle of the camera really did uh, emphasize uh, whatever mood they were trying to go for. Her deadness. Well, she wasn't entirely dead just then, but it was just—it was just. I, I liked the camera angle, and also, surprisingly bloody for a later uh, Unsolved Mysteries episode. Well, so, I mean, there was a good can, amount of blood.
0: How can you? Well, I, actually, I—I I was going to say, how can you have a fall and not have a pool of blood? But then I thought about—yeah. Then I thought about all the PG thirteen movies where they'll, they'll portray a fall and there'll be no blood whatsoever, and yeah, it's yeah. And this there's clean, been other
1: Unsolved Mystery segments where there's been something like that or something really horrific and then you barely see anything so that that was especially in the later unsolved mysteries from like season 10 through 12 like you didn't see a whole lot of um blood and we're not being Um, like
0: stereotypically american right now by being like oh we want blood and violence it's just like no it's more like we want realism and we know that yeah That if you're trying to sell me a story about someone falling, you know, three stories off of a building, there's not going to be any blood. It's like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Maybe sometimes there wouldn't be, but I feel like nine times out of ten there would be.
1: So uh, she was found uh, uh, near near death on on the asphalt. She was then immediately rushed to the hospital, and Jeremy was then questioned by police. He stated that he was playing solitaire in the living room. (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. It didn't even look like, like Solitaire alone, in the reenactment. That looked, that alone, like,
0: looked like he was playing Chinese checkers or
1: something. Like, I, I, Yeah, that alone sounds suspicious to me. Like, who the fuck plays Solitaire in the living room?
0: I know that, you know, room. that was kind of before you know social media really blew up, but but I don't know if grown men like sat in the living room and played Solitaire by themselves, even
1: back in the 90s. I could be wrong on that. I mean, but, that's the kind of thing, I, I'm not trying to be a... Be stereotypical or anything, but my grandmother would do that a lot. She would play solitaire. Oh by hell, hell
0: yeah, my grandma played gin rummy. That was her game of choice. So maybe
1: he just really likes solitaire, but I just it's just it's kind of it's a it's it's an odd thing, it, it, uh, especially if if you have your wife there with you and you're just playing solitaire. Like I don't know. Um. He's playing solitaire in the living room when he heard a sound from outside. He went out, looked over the balcony railing, and discovered her body on the ground below. Uh, Michelle's parents were soon contacted by Jeremy's mother and were told a second version of the event. In it, uh, he claimed that she was hanging up Christmas lights and was standing on the ledge of the balcony when it collapsed and she fell.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's believable. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that one... That one sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Who
0: in their right Uh, fucking mind would stand on a balcony, balcony on the third floor, and in the if if she did it how they did it and showed it in the the reenactment? She's literally the
1: one in the reenactment. It looks like the kind of shit you would see in an infomercial. Yeah, when somebody's doing something wrong in a way that's just completely ridiculous. That's what that looked like.
0: Yeah, just completely insane. Like. No one would ever do that in real life. Like she's just literally standing on the railing of the balcony, no kind of support or anything like that. Uh -uh. Just yeah, this is a good idea. I'm you know totally just doing this, and it's like, come on, man!
1: And doing the whole thing where she's stretching up. Yeah, I. I, It's like, dude, come on!
0: Like, (laughs) like what the fuck? You expect me to believe
1: that shit? And what does uh, Jeremy's mother have to gain by lying about that? I don't think that's a lie. I think she was telling the truth. That's what her son was telling her, giving her a bunch of bullshit. Uh, uh, When her parents arrived at the hospital, they learned that um, Michelle's skull was fractured. She was in a coma and her jaw was broken, although her teeth and nose were oddly unharmed. And that was really odd. Because I know firsthand what it's like to hit the asphalt face first. You know, I broke teeth. I broke my nose. I didn't break my jaw. I, I, I was lucky enough to not, you know, fracture my skull. Or, you know, bust an orbital bone or something. But it is really bizarre to not have the teeth and the nose harmed in, in some uh, fashion after a fall like that. I mean, I didn't fall as high. I wouldn't be here if that's the case, but you know, it's just, it's just one of the, it's still, you know, impact on asphalt. Uh, They could not understand how she received certain injuries to her head, but did not, did not receive others. Uh, She also has some stuff. They mentioned it later with her palms. There's some weird things going on with that as well. Uh, Hours after the alleged fall, Michelle died of her injuries. Uh, Shortly after her death, Jeremy told her parents a third version of what happened that night. This guy is just sketchy. Like the epitome of sketchy to me. With all these three different stories. And I know some people are all like, well uh that's what uh the the parents of michelle are saying that they heard like what do they why would they lie about any of this i'm just saying i mean i don't understand what 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 you have to gain by by lying about him changing the story three different times i mean typically like the parents want to
0: like their daughter's you know husband like they they, they're not I mean, unless they didn't like him beforehand, and they're just like looking. Yeah, there to... might
1: be that. You know, that might be kind of oh, we didn't like this guy, so you know. But that's it's not as common as you might think. It was never uh, mentioned if that was a factor. And it, yeah, and that was never mentioned in, here. So I think I, I did, You know, I think they did hear things about how they might have been having a rough time, but that doesn't mean that they would automatically go to the lengths of. Uh, making up that he was sharing three different versions of, of what happened. And unsolved mysteries, they'll usually like
0: disclose if if there was any kind of like avarice between the parents and the mm-hmm. husband f- beforehand. Like, oh, we knew that he was a bad fit, or we didn't like him from the start. They usually say that in in the show if that's the case, but they didn't say that
1: here. No, they didn't. And then you have the whole thing with the mother, his own mother. Why would his mother be in on it? Why would his mother? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so in his third version of the story, he stated that Michelle had gone out to the balcony uh, and that when he had done so, he saw her hanging on onto the side of the balcony. And he claims that he could have saved her, but he was unable to. The reenactment here is is gold. Uh, in terms of like uh, bad, you know, it, it's it's nearing so bad. It's good I saw territory. Her hanging out the balcony. I could have saved her. I could have done something. Whoa! All of a sudden, he's yeah. I know. It's like he's he's a he's a uh, uh, Ted. Whoa! Ted Theodore Logan. I'm <laughs> Bill S. Preston. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, that's one way you could solve this case. Have Bill and Ted get in the phone booth and go back in (laughs) time. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) This was a most Uh, unrighteous death.
1: It's totally heinous. (laughs) You killed her, you dickweed. (laughs) 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 All right, um, So Jeremy, however, claims he only gave one story of what happened that night when police began investigating the the case. They found that he and Michelle were having problems in their marriage and that there were several arguments between them. Neighbors apparently claimed that these arguments were so loud that uh, they complained to the building manager about how loud these arguments were god damn that's some loud and they yelling. interviewed
0: the building manager and he was saying like one of the people one of the people complaining said someone's gonna die up there or something the extent of that
1: like geez. I was like what is this like some kind of dramatic A horror foreshadowing, movie foreshadowing geez you're all gonna die in there <laughs> uh it'd be like crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th crazy Mike you're all going to die um, but anyway. So, uh, you had the neighbors. They said they were yelling loudly. Uh, they also believe they heard them turn violent on occasion. Uh, Michelle's parents, uh, became critical of the, of the investigation, believing that they were not questioning Jeremy's account of what happened that night. They found inconsistencies in his story. Um, first her wrists were broken, but her palms were completely unscratched. That is really, uh... Uh, suspect. Uh, Especially if his story is true, uh, where he's saying she fractured her wrist trying to break her fall, her palms would have been scratched on the asphalt. There's no way that her palms would have been unscathed. I mean, that's like assuming, though,
0: that you're falling, like, say you're riding a skateboard and you hit a rock and then you fly fly forward. Yeah, your hands are going to automatically go out, but if you're hanging on and you let go, you're not necessarily going to be able to brace yourself with your palms your back might be falling no towards the but ground.
1: even if you're hanging on and because of what you're hanging on to you're probably going to have some kind of abrasions in 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 that way too and there is
0: nothing yeah not necessarily i mean look everything like that that one bit of info didn't um it was what uh, Cecil or Cyril Weck, Weck, or whatever the the mm-hmm. uh, fucking go to. Uh, I don't know what his title is. He's like a forensic pathologist or something. They yeah, use him a lot yeah. in the show, and he's actually a high profile uh, guy who's uh, kind uh-huh. of got a little bit of a story past. He sometimes he's gotten people off who were like probably guilty, but because of his. Uh, weird flippity-doos in court he was able to get it to where they were innocent but he was saying that the 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 number one if nothing else convinced him that it was murder this one fact did and that was the fact that she was found 9 feet away from the balcony yeah that
1: one that one was really uh uh quite a uh, compelling a compelling bit of evidence he was, she was found 9 feet yeah, he was saying you know you could lunge off the balcony
0: and possibly end up 9 foot away or you could be thrown off and end up nine foot yeah. away. But if you fell, you know, he said the human body isn't like a bouncy
1: ball, you know? No. like No, it's not a Super Bowl. It's not going to bounce like that. It's similar to the the hotel uh, suicide case uh, that was uh, in the first episode yeah. of The New One Saw Mysteries. You know, the whole, uh, if he fell, you know, or, or like in terms of jumping... If it was suicide, it would be really unlikely that his body would be in would have been found where it was. So it's similar to that kind of thing. Um also, I, I'm with the parents, like it does seem like the authorities didn't really because they were telling her uh parents a lot of this well Jeremy said this And Jeremy said that, and and I can understand their thought process, that, like, why, like, he was there, he was the only other person there, shouldn't he be considered the prime suspect in an instance like this?
0: It's like, why are you even investigating this case if you're just going off of, like, well, Jeremy said it didn't happen that way, and it's like, well, then why are you even, like, you're supposed to be investigating this, so
1: he's... Yeah, I would be pissed at the authorities and the police if they were giving me that bullshit. Just being like, oh, well, Jeremy said, like, this isn't a fucking uh, high school drama. You know, this is a murder. Did Jeremy a- did
0: Jeremy resemble the detective's son or something? And he just like felt like he like bad for him. Like, oh, look at him. He's a night. He plays solitaire for fuck's sakes.
1: Uh, he's a wholesome boy. He would have never done this. Um but anyway um uh, so they also found uh, one of her shoes that was discovered 26 feet away from her body and uh, the other one was never found that's another puzzling uh, bit of evidence like why is the shoe still missing no one's found the other shoe uh finally even though Jeremy saw that she was critically injured He took the time to almost close the balcony door and double lock their their apartment before attending to her injuries.
0: Yeah, he wasn't that in that big of a hurry.
1: Yeah, I mean, who who would do that? Like, if if somebody I love had fallen off the balcony, I'm not gonna like make sure the balcony door is is closed and I'm gonna double lock the apartment. Like, why the hell would I do all that shit? I would be getting I would be getting out of the apartment down to uh, the ground level and being there and you know, I, you know of course I would call uh, an ambulance but I wouldn't I wouldn't like take the time to do any of that. that 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 does seem really suspicious. However, authorities claim that Jeremy took two polygraph examinations and passed both of them. That doesn't mean shit. <laughs> that, that you can't admit those into into court. Uh And on top of that, we've we have seen plenty of episodes and and have uh, covered plenty of cases where people have passed polygraphs and they're lying
0: or they failed them and they're telling the truth. Yeah,
1: exactly. So also the Allegheny County Coroner's Office ruled Michelle's death is undetermined, meaning that it could have been an accident, murder or suicide. It's a a fancier way for uh, the coroner's office to just say ah, I don't know. <laughs> eh, fuck. Um. So you have the the coroner's office uh, uh, ruling the death is undetermined. Uh, her relatives insist that it could have not have been a suicide. Uh, as, usual, as usual, because she had no apparent mental problems had and had no reason life. to kill herself. Uh, they also did not believe it was an accident. Uh, the balcony was 48 uh, inches, which was chest-eye for her. That meant if it was it was nearly impossible for her to, for her to have lost her balance and fallen accidentally. Uh, Michelle's relatives had her medical records sent to three different forensic pathologists. All three determined that she was murdered. They believe that it is possible that her death was not even due to the fall. According to forensic experts, if she had fallen three stories, she would have had injuries on both sides of her brain. That's one that definitely stood out to me as well. Um, yeah, her,
0: her injuries but, were inconsistent with a fall.
1: Yeah. They were more uh, consistent with a beating.
0: Yeah, a, like a blunt force hit, yeah. a, hit on one side of the head, and, 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 he, and he then dragged her down to the the bottom floor or whatever to to make it you know give it a convenient uh excuse as to why she was dead
1: yeah he carried her she, down the steps she was already or dead later, before she later even, yeah. later on the or she was already near death yeah you know when he laid her on the on the asphalt uh pathologist says uh, cyril wet yeah or wetched uh, uh noted that Michelle had extensive head injuries but they were only to the left side they are direct impact ones uh, which occur when someone is assaulted he noted that her other injuries were inc- were uh consistent with an assault not a fall he noted that her pelvis and internal organs were damaged which is extremely inconsistent with a fall that's another big uh, uh bit of evidence there for me that suggests that she did not fall i mean her pelvis would have been really wrecked, and the organs would have had some kind of damage. Uh, also, her body was found nine feet from the building, which she felt was impossible if she had fallen accidentally. Uh, in January of 1998, the Allegheny County uh, Coroner's Office reopened an investigation into Michelle's death, and they ruled it a homicide. Although the coroner's report did not specify how she died, her relatives believe they know what happened. They believe that she and Jeremy got into another argument. Uh, this reenactment Like you don't—it's another one of those where you don't really hear exactly what they're saying, but like the actor who's playing Jeremy, uh, not not what you would call a Emmy-winning actor. So um,
0: it's like I feel like if if you had the closed captions on for that scene, it would just say in parentheses "generic domestic violence arguing." I don't have to take that from you. How dare you say that to me?
1: Um, so, um, they believe that Jeremy got into another argument, uh, and she told him that she would be leaving him, uh, because I think, uh, Michelle already talked to her parents and said something along the lines where I'm considering a divorce. Uh, they believe, uh, that she then, uh, fled from the apartment and that he followed her and attacked her outside. He then dragged her body to the location in which it was found and then made up the accidental fall story to explain her injuries. Uh, Jeremy and his relatives maintain that he is innocent and that Michelle died accidentally. Hers, however, is certain that he was responsible. So uh, Jeremy and his relatives declined to be interviewed for uh, this case, Uh, although they did say something along the lines that uh, they believe he's innocent and they wanted to make sure that it was known that he passed two polygraph tests. So, uh, on December 20th of 1999, seven years to the day after Michelle's death, Jeremy was charged with third degree murder and involuntary manslaughter during the trial. Several coroners, including Wetched, testified that the manner of death was a homicide. They also testified that she was violently struck on the head and face with an object. Jeremy's conflicting statements about her death were also brought up. There was also testimony from her friends who stated that she suffered emotional abuse and jealousy from him, other witnesses stated that he was physically abusive towards her and had seen bruises on her. Her mother testified that she had seen, uh, she had mentioned several times that she wanted to divorce him. Another witness was Jeremy's friend Jeff- Jeffrey Patterson. On the first anniversary of Michelle's death, they went out for dinner. Doing so, uh, during so, he virtually confessed to killing her, stating that things got out of hand and that he was sorry and that it shouldn't have happened. Damn, I don't remember. Hearing However. That part. Yeah, because this is a. Uh, I, I don't think this is ever uh, uh, updated to the point where there was an official update on Unsolved Mysteries. This is all from the wiki. Gotcha. Um, however, though, in January of 2001, Jeremy was acquitted of all charges. Jurors said su- conflicting testimony about the cause of Michelle's injuries influenced their verdict. One stated that they felt that something may have happened. But there was not enough evidence to prove it. I don't know. I mean, the fact that this fall story is bullshit—it doesn't match up to, the, to what actual coroners and people are saying. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, why are you believing Jeremy's side when it comes to like? I mean, it, a fall from that height—you're gonna, you're not gonna have your pelvis not broken in some way or any kind of internal organ damage. I mean, you're, that you're gonna have something's gonna be really uh messed up in in that area. If you're going to fall from that uh high of a height and hit the asphalt. I think
0: the problem probably with that that trial was it's one of those situations where if you can't prove beyond uh if you if you can prove reasonable doubt um then then the then then, then he's innocent. And I think I think you know the defense uh was able to prove reasonable doubt
1: that you know jeremy was i don't i don't see any reasonable doubt here because you have all of these things that add up that he was abusive towards her uh there there had been uh, other testimony of them having really loud arguments i i I mean it, it seems like a cut and dry case of he got pissed he was already arguing with her uh, that night there's there's proof that he was already arguing with her that night like they, they mentioned that in the in the segment that he was already mad at her and the, the argument continued when he got home so i think he just fucking lost it got pissed off got angry as, as soon as she mentioned i'm gonna leave you and just like you're not leaving me the way you're gonna leave me is in a body bag And uh, just beat the ever-loving shit out of her. And then once he did that, he was like, Oh my God, uh, I-, I don't want to go to jail for murder. Uh, put the body on asphalt. And she fell. She was, but, uh, <laughs> she was hanging Christmas lights. She was hanging Christmas lights.
0: On her tippy toes on the third story uh railing with no uh safety precautions. Yeah. Like
1: if I heard that shit, like his mother said that he uh uh his recollection of uh, one of his recollections of the story was that she was hanging Christmas lights. And as soon as that I'd be like, he fucking did it. Like this guy <laughs> yeah. is a fucking yeah, that's liar. All, all I need to hear is the first story. <laughs> To know that, uh,
0: that that he's that he's guilty. But see, again, you know, that's them saying that he said that. There's, you know, it's not like a recorded phone call. So it's like that no, they but, just didn't have enough proof, I guess. Even though something I, might look a certain way.
1: The, the issue, but I, I, I get that. But we're talking about undetermined death versus like his story. His story is that she fell. All these things don't add up to her falling accidentally. So, there's only one other uh, way you can really look at it. Suicide? But there was no suicide note, there was no anything, there was no reason to believe that she would have done that. So, then you're left with one other alternative. Murder. Murder. maybe maybe she came in and
0: saw him playing solitaire and was so upset that she married such a lame-ass husband (laughs) that she became suicidal Uh, i doubt it i doubt it like oh my Um, god this is my life i can't i just can't he's a grown man and uh, he's playing solitaire by himself my grandma does that shit what the fuck
1: well, then why don't you just leave him? Like, you know, that's the thing. Like, you would just leave somebody if, if, you know, relationship didn't work out. Not, like, kill yourself. That doesn't make any sense that it would have escalated to that point. No, it definitely wasn't suicide. Because who the hell would do that? Like, they get in an argument, They, you know, they're yelling at one another. The husband's being an asshole, mad at his wife. And then she's all like, oh, fuck it. It just jumps off. This doesn't make any sense. Like I don't want to hear it anymore. Ah, like now. Now I have. So heard, just, I, mean, just, I
0: have heard of couples who got into an argument and then one of the you know two involved does commit suicide after that as like an a, like a in in the heat of the moment, the passion of maybe, the
1: moment. Maybe yeah, yeah. I have heard of maybe. that. maybe, but I don't think that's very common. Probably pretty pretty rare. But anyway, uh, there is. Um, there's a little bit here from uh, an article that talks about what the defense attorney was, was saying like the defense attorney for, uh, for Jeremy, he played his frantic 911 call and on the six minute tape with high pitched voice can be heard screaming. Oh God, send an ambulance. She jumped off the roof of oh God. Hold on. And Bill said the tape was both chilling and convincing. This is his defense attorney quoted here: "You can't fake it. That's from the gut. It doesn't reflect a person who took an instrument and struck someone on the side of the head. You can fake that shit easily." Yeah, I mean, it's, if somebody's a good enough actor and a good enough so, and is as much of a sociopath as I think Jeremy might be, you could do that shit easily. Like we've seen a lot of cases where it sounds like a legitimate 911 call and then you find out that it was a bunch of bullshit uh, the guy was just uh, it was an act we've covered cases like that yeah
0: like the um those k rock disc jockeys who had the guy call in on the show and say he killed uh his wife and the k rock dj's are like whoa are you serious he's like yeah uh, uh I, I, I gotta go, or whatever. And they're like, oh, wow, we, we gotta go to commercial break. And like this whole investigation got started and all. And then come to find out, the disc jockeys hired this guy, and the whole thing was a, a, mm. a, a gag. It wasn't real.
1: Yeah. Or, or, uh, well, was, it wasn't 60 Minutes. It was, uh, the other, uh, show that we covered. Was it the 40? What, what was that show we covered one time with that? Uh, host you really like the old guy. Oh, Dateline. Was it Dateline? Yeah, because there was a. Uh, I think the Dateline case we covered had a frantic nine one one call that was a bunch of. Uh, if you're talking bullshit, about the, the the
0: the ca- d- the danger in Carmel Hill or whatever, where the two yeah, neighbors yeah. or whatever. Um, no, the the whole thing about that phone call was um, the guy who shot the husband and wife was claiming that he did so in self-defense, but and you could hear, there were like five shots, pow, 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 uh-huh. pow, and that then one. a long time later, there was the sixth shot, which was, that's, that was really what proved that it was not merely self-defense. That was the coup de gras shot, as they called it, the, yeah. the, uh, you know, kind of the, the, you know, uh-huh celebratory shot or whatever and and that that was the deal with that
1: call and uh witherell like he he really believes that uh this whole uh need to go after jeremy is an obsession by the family uh they could not would not accept that she died accidentally or uh was uh it was the result of a suicide um And I can see why I wouldn't accept it either. I'm sorry, that just does not. None of these things add up. It does not add up. Uh, uh, One of Witherell's attorneys, he says, the decision that was made in 1992 uh, was right. There wasn't any evidence. I wouldn't say that there's no evidence, but okay. Uh, And apparently, uh, one of the other jurors, they say, we had a lot of reasonable doubt, so we didn't feel we should convict Mister Witherell. I just don't get the reasonable doubt. I, I guess that's just that's just me personally. <clears throat> just too many things don't add up. I feel like this case is like
0: an unsigned band that is pretty damn good and they're pretty close to getting signed. And all they're missing is that like one hit song that that will make the record label feel like this band will for sure be successful. I feel like this case is like that. It's like it's got everything. It's like almost there, but it's missing that one key hit single. What do you
1: think that one thing is? uh, Him actually getting convicted? No, it it would be
0: like um, like an eyewitness thing. Uh, some kind Uh, of um physical evidence that kind of ties him to that act. Um. The, the 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 said object that was he she was supposedly beaten with, um you know that that one kind of thing that can like tie him for sure to, to that, and it, it, I just feel like from the show at least they they didn't really like provide that it was just kind of like well they
1: don't actually have that and that you know well, yeah, that isn't always well, that isn't always necessarily uh proof that someone is innocent. No, i do- I'm not saying he's innocent. It's
0: just it's one of those it's one of those cases like I said earlier where it's like you you know, a jury has to prove beyond reasonable doubt that he's guilty, and if there's any reasonable doubt, then then you know they're they're not guilty. It's not saying that they're innocent, they're just not found guilty. Yeah. It's just kind of yeah. one of those things, you know? It's a,
1: it's a gray area thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one it's of those fr- unfortunate, frustrating, though. Yeah, it's
0: one of those unfortunate things where everyone's like, it probably happened this way. But we, you know, uh, uh, to the letter of the law, we don't technically have all we need to say to he for sure did it and send this guy away for the rest. That's like a big burden on the on the jury, you know, yeah. like, have someone's life yeah. in your hands like that.
1: But but at the same time, I mean, if it's if it seems like it's more likely than not that this guy was an abusive asshole who killed his wife and then covered it up and tried to act like it was an accident, I, I'd want that guy to be put away. Well,
0: Mike, I fucking want you to be put away. How do you feel about that, pally boy?
1: <laughs> but I, I, under, I understand uh, uh, the thought process because that's our justice system, for better or worse. Right. Um, uh, there are going to be instances like this where Jeremy will essentially get away with murder. But it, because there isn't uh, a uh, murder weapon, there isn't anything to directly tie him to her death other than uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know if circumstantial is the right word, but a lot of evidence that isn't necessarily uh, proof. Yeah, I could see why a jury would look at that and be like, you know, my gut says he did it, but you, know, you don't necessarily uh make these judgments based on your gut, but um it's just an unfortunate situation though, because there's so many things that add up to him doing it, and it's just so unbelievably aggravating like I can't even imagine how the the family must have felt when that uh that uh verdict was was delivered.
0: She was only twenty four
1: yep. Twenty-four,
0: Freakishly young Alright well I guess okay. that's
1: that case Freakishly young <laughs> Well yeah What did she got Benjamin Button disorder <laughs> Like what Absolutely <laughs> uh, Yeah I get nothing else to say about this case Except I think Jeremy did it Well I I really do believe that he He, he killed her
0: Jeremy shoved her off the balcony.
1: <laughs> You've heard that song, right? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy's spoken. Clearly I yeah.
0: remember picking on the boy. Seemed a harmless little fuck. Ooh, but we unleashed the lion. Anyway. All right, now we're on to the perks of being a Yosh flower. Some of yous uh become, it's become some of your favorite some of you some of you's, uh, some you some of guys <laughs> with your with your pop and your tonic water uh it's become some of your favorite uh, parts of the podcast is my humiliation and embarrassment as a uh, teenager
1: some people even want an entire podcast if you just just a recap of all that uh, yeah which i don't think is a yeah. bad
0: idea if someone really wants to man you guys are gonna know like every nook and cranny of my fucking life after this podcast is over and I'm not going to know a single thing about you, but you're going to know everything about me. That's the inequity of being a public uh, person, as small as a, a public figure as we are. All right, so we're uh, we last left off at Thursday, March 16th, 2006. Oh, I should give. I should mention um, these are diaries that I found when I that I wrote when I was a teenager, um, and my views and opinions. Um, I, I don't agree with most of them now, so anything that I said that comes across as fucked up. Uh, That was 15 years ago. I'm different now. I mean, it's rare that I agree with something I say in these, but uh, yeah, so have to have that little disclaimer there. So anyway, Thursday, March 16, 2006. Man, this day fucking sucked. First of all, I was in English class near Tapatha. I'm like really physically attracted to her. I can't help it, but she has a shitty personality uh then and you don't (laughs) right (laughs) then in third hour josh d my best friend at the time was singing some lyric that went quote true friends never let friends fight alone and i'm like okay josh enough with the little hardcore lyrics which i should not have said i admit because that is a switch with him it instantly pisses him off so he's like josh uh that's not hardcore you have no idea what you're talking about And I said, dude, the only people who randomly fight are like 14-year-old hardcore kids who have nothing better to do. And then he's like, and I think this is bullshit. Dude, they are not referring to actual fighting. They are a Christian band. They are referring to your Christian battles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's bullshit. What band who put it like that? And he's like, why do you always have to think about the negative aspects of things? And I'm like, dude... If you said it like that, how else could someone take it? Seriously, if you were singing True Friends Don't Let Friends Fight Alone, how the fuck else does that sound? What a retard. And he thinks I'm so negative, which I am, but so fucking what? It pisses me off when people tell me that, like it's a problem, and I'm like some sort of person who needs fixing. Some people are optimistic, and I am pessimistic. I can't help it that Mr. Holier Than Thou is fucking perfect, but some of us aren't shoved up church's ass. I don't know, man. I've been questioning that stuff in my mind since I can remember. Like, I have never, ever been sure that I was truly saved. So, I don't know. And I start to get thoughts in my head that it might just be fake. I don't know. It probably isn't, but there's just doubt in my mind. I've never felt close to God, ever. And that's what, and that's stupid. Why does God have to make salvation so damn hard? He's not here. So, what does He expect when people are doubtful? I've never heard God speak to me. I'd probably think I was going crazy before I thought, oh, it must be God. I don't know, man. But anyway, so I guess we kissed and made up. And then I'm going to the Spanish meeting and Josh is like, I got to talk to you alone. So he says that Tabitha told me that you said that me and Stephen were calling her a whore, which they totally did. And I know you're trying to get get in with her, but sometimes you need to just shut your mouth. And I did tell her. But you know what? Don't talk shit about someone you don't even know. And she's not a whore. Trust me. I don't know any whores or I would have totally hit that. I'm just being honest. But anyway, I was talking to Brian in Spanish Club and I was like, Tabitha is a fucking backstabber for doing that to me. And Brian is like, yeah, I heard her talking in chapel and I just heard bits and pieces. But they were saying how she should go to Junior Senior with you. And she goes, I don't know. He's kind of a pervert. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm a fucking horn dog, But man, I can't help it. Most guys get their fill from girls who let them do that stuff, a.k.a. their girlfriends. But I haven't had a girlfriend in almost a year, so I'm needy. But no girl wants to deal with me fucking ever. And this is a question that I have been wondering for the longest time. Whatever. So Josh is getting on my fucking nerves, and Tabitha is a fucking whore, and I'm tired of Patrick thinking I'm the group jackass. Everything I say he always fucking says, what are you talking about? And I'm like, fuck you. When do you say something gay? No one does it. When you say something gay, no one does anything. But when Josh wants to say something, it's all of a sudden gay. Man, fuck you, Patrick. I swear, man, people are fucking let, uh, let down. And basically, except for a few pieces of shit, uh, okay, well, I'm gonna go. I have a stupid ass award ceremony today. Woo, bye. Wow, that was a problematic, uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, uh, the main takeaway from there is is me blaming everyone else for my mood swingy, crazy teenage stupidity. Yeah.
1: I-, I liked. I did like the point you made though about uh, if God does speak to me, uh, I would think that I'm crazy before I would think that you know. Th- God is talking that was to me, the only like, valid it's, thing it's, i it's said in thing. that whole paragraph yeah yeah but that's why it stood out because it was the only valid thing that you said in that entire paragraph but i think that is a good point like you probably would think you're nuts that would be the first thing that would pop in your head that's the first thing i think of when i hear things like my stepmom is saying oh jesus spoke to me last night said that uh me and your dad should move to Michigan or Oklahoma City. It's like, that doesn't mean, that, that just sounds crazy. <laughs> like, God spoke to me personally and told me that we should move to Oklahoma City, <laughs> move to Michigan or whatever. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and, and, you know, I shouldn't have gotten on to Josh about singing those lyrics and, they could have been about a bunch of different things and he was right. I was a negative fuck. And I was negative all the time. And, and and I you know, God bless him for even wanting to hang out with I am surprised I had any friends. Because like reading this just makes me seem like the most unlikable jackass in the world. And God bless those <laughs> those kids yeah. for, for putting up with me,
1: man. And you know Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in that. Particular category growing up, but I was just super shy. I was very, very shy, and and I, I was in my own bubble and and in in an shell, you know, in an egg. I w- that's in a lot that's how of ways, I was, was in- like that character from a uh, uh, U.S. Acres on Garfield and Friends, the 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 chicken who's just is always in the Shel- shell, Sheldon. You know, yeah, Sheldon. <laughs> I was always like that. Um and because of that I didn't really pay attention to uh how other people were uh viewing me or 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 seeing uh what I was doing until my junior and senior year and even then I I was still I was I was more I was further out of my shell but you know I still it, it was still very um a much a single-minded thing you know or i wasn't really as aware of of uh, other people that were uh paying attention to me and uh that's one thing i wish i was more aware of and i, I wish I, I wish i'm more aware of that period uh it's just one of those unfortunate things that I, that i've uh acquired uh, with my asperger's is a lot of this uh an ability to really pick up those kind of signals like other people do naturally so it makes uh situ- situations where you know i'm with other people it and makes it kind of uh awkward well mike i can tell you draftable. i can tell
0: you being in your shell and to yourself uh it makes your high school stories age a lot more timelessly than uh
1: my approach <laughs> yeah I mean, the closest I I got the you know I would blow up every now and then you know and get upset and angry for reasons I don't quite understand, but that's but that's really oh, the closest thing uh, you know, um, but uh, I do remember just finally getting angry. I finally stood up for myself and the bullies, you know, they were picking on me and throwing carrots at me, carrots. and I remember just finally, yeah, I f- I finally just got pissed. <laughs> i threw carrots back at them and i was just like leave me the fuck alone there you go mike and uh that actually it actually worked because uh i think i kind of scared them for a second there because i was like really mad and then they were like well this isn't fun anymore
0: yeah dude i mean that is that (laughs) is like the trick every time if someone's bullying you the second that you stand up to them and you show them that you're that you're not afraid of them they will back the fuck away i know that because i used to bully people i was bullied and i bullied people and i was such a little bitch because anytime anyone would stand up to me that I was bullying i wouldn't bully them anymore because i became kind of afraid of them because i knew deep down i was a fucking pussy that that couldn't fight mm-hmm. and um i knew that that if they if they actually like escalated to that i'd probably <laughs> get my ass kicked <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "All right, I'm not gonna fuck with him anymore. He's not fun anymore. He doesn't let me just do whatever I want." Yeah, I was a I was a terrible person. Um. All right, so now we're resuming. Uh, Monday, March twentieth, two thousand and six. Man, I feel so bad. Let me tell you why. Okay, today I hung out with someone who I feel I should remain nameless, just for safety purposes. Okay, so to the point. Today I hung out with a girl I will call Sarah. And her friend, Amos Moses. Okay. So I went over to Sarah's house early today, and she had smoked some weed. Oh, I remember. I think I remember who this is. Then she made tots to eat on the way to pick up her friend, Amos. We pick her up and go to the mall, dick around the mall, eat McDonald's, drop Amos off because Sarah's mom wanted me to help do something. I didn't end up doing that, so me and Sarah went to the park. She brought more weed. She smoked it. I didn't. I thought I was going to, but I learned from past mistakes that I can't handle weed most of the time. So we dick around and start walking through the woods. We were talking and talking, and then we sit on a wooden plank, kind of like a pseudo bench. And we really start engaging in our conversation. It gets deeper and more personal. This made me glad because Sarah never liked to open up to people, but with me, she was. So I took that as a good thing. And one thing you must understand, remember this phrase, because this is the killer. I almost dated Sarah. I had slash have a lot of feelings for her. I like her very much as a friend and possibly more. She means a lot to me. However, we were flirting and she would never even hardly kiss me. It bothered her. This bothered me because I thought she was like not into that stuff. Wait, that sentence doesn't make sense. She meant, however, when we were flirting, she would never even hardly kiss me. Okay, whatever. Okay, so remember, okay, so Sarah, it's Stephanie, by the way, my friend Stephanie. I don't know why, I, I can I can take away her anonymity now, because I think uh, the reason why I named her Sarah was because I said she was smoking weed and she was underage. It was Stephanie, the same- D- Different. The same Stephanie that, that I've been talking about, you know, this whole time oh, okay. on Zynga. same Stephanie, but not- not, not bandmate. The Stephanie. No, not my bandmate. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't meet my bandmate till I was like 28 years old. um so,
1: <laughs> This is so confusing because yeah. it's like Stephanie, I know. Stephanie. It's never,
0: it's, Stephanie H. is this <laughs> chick that I'm talking about and Stephanie uh-huh. Connor is my bandmate. So anyway, to clarify, Stephanie, you know, flirted with me in the past and she would barely kiss me because she said she wasn't into that stuff. Okay, so remember that. But we were talking and she got... ...on the topic of, quote, do you want to know what me and my old boyfriend used to do? And I stupidly said yes, because I did want her to open up more. I figured she wanted to tell someone, uh, and she let me have it. Turns out, they fucked like crazy. They have done anal. All the positions known to man. All foreplay known to man. Everything. And he means so much more to her, and, and she loves him. And he is just a deviant. He knows he has control, and he loves to control her, and she... How do you know they did everything? She she told me, apparently. (laughs) And she fucking lets him. It's crazy, and it makes me feel horrible. Before that, I felt like she was at least a little pure. And that she had standards and shit and morals. And I thought she had moved on and and a breakthrough for our relationship was coming anytime. But now I learned that I'm light years. Did you
1: even have a relationship?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, we dated for like a, a month back in, when I was in eighth grade. Oh, okay. And then we became yeah. these like friends that kind of kissed, kind of held hands. So much sexual frustration when I think back to that time.
1: Mixed signals.
0: Yeah, well, probably not. But in fr- in my dumbass uh, neck beard brain, uh, pre pubescent neckbeard brain, I probably thought it was a signal when, in all reality, there was no interest there. Um, I was just in pure simp mode back then. Uh, anyway, going back to here, but now I learned that I'm light years behind that twisted romance, and I feel raped almost because I didn't even think she did that, but she does that. Yeah, sh- sure, but she does that sure. shit and more. <laughs> that just messes with me. I'll forget about it, then think about it again, and it's like all of that time I forgot about it built up and just surges these bad feelings at me again. I would have loved to have been in that guy's position. Stephanie is beautiful. I would have uh, liked to have done everything with her, and I wanted to be more than her friend, but now it seems to me that this cannot happen and that she really found someone. It's like all those stupid teenage love songs really make sense right now, and I'm tired of dealing with this shit. So tired. Like the only time I really uh, the only so t- so tired. It's like the only time I really had her was 8th grade and since then I've been trying to get her back and I keep trying to salvage any last piece of what could have been and I just need to move on, but to move on you have to have a fucking destination and I don't. I don't have anywhere to go. If I had 20 other fucking girls lined up, then yeah, this would be no problem. But the fact is, I don't even think I will find anyone with a personality like hers. I'm not going to say how great she is and everything, but I mean, I don't know. This is just really junky time in my life. Look back a year into my zanga. Well, not now, but a while back. You will see. I've been fucking around with her forever, and it's never amounted to anything. Oh, yeah, and she likes this dude named Ryan who is, like, supposedly hot or something. I don't... I don't know. Fucking gay, man. Maybe if I was quote-unquote hot or whatever the fuck, then I would have a better chance. No, I really would be happy if I was just skinny or thin or slim. I'm tired of being fat. She takes pictures of me a lot, and my face is, like, so fat. I'm so not happy with it. But I'm losing weight steadily, but I can still see a fucking difference. My clothes still fit this, or I can't see a difference. My clothes still fit the same, and I look the same. I don't understand. And yeah, another thing. All my friends are going on vacation. Or on some sort of vacation. So I'm here all alone in the spring break, man. What the fuck happened to all those high school dreams of all the guys hanging out? I have to be heavily into drugs or heavily into ass-kissing to hang out with any of my friends now. This is so stupid! I'm tired of bitching now. I do that a lot on here. I always feel bad after because I feel like I'm making my life... sound like it sucks, but it really doesn't. I might be playing the bass again in a band, so that's good. God, please help me, man. I'm so lost. My values are messed up. Just let me lose a lot of weight and get a life and a job and a band and a girl and write with God. Then I will be happy. It's sad that God is last in my priorities. That's probably why my life is messed up. Well, at least Rush still rocks and I have music. I think it's gonna rain when I die. That's an Allison Chain song. I quoted at the end.
1: <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I remember- poor choice of words uh, using uh, uh, "rape" in that particular way. Yeah, I feel raped. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> talk to an actual rape
0: victim. Pretty sure they what they went through was way worse. Um, well, so this was this was what this is what was going on in my head at that time. When I can look at it from an adult's perspective now, I had. I was desperate, I was horny, I watched too much porn, I watched all the shit they did in the porn, and I wanted to do that, and... Uh, oh, so you were jealous. I was jealous. They were like, oh, oh, we did everything. Yeah. Yeah. To, to yeah. boil it down, Mike, that's the perfect word to use. I was and, jealous. And, and
1: you weren't doing... It wasn't one of those, oh, she wasn't pure. Right. That's. You know. I was so <laughs> full
0: of shit when I said that. I didn't give it. It, it, it wasn't <laughs> about her being a fucking... Her being pure. It was about... This other guy doing all this freaky, sexy stuff with her that I wanted to do, and you know, typical yeah. neck beard uh, logic. Uh, might as well call me Elliot Rogers. Um, I'm sitting here going like, "Oh, she's a slut." Because what was Elliot Rogers saying the whole time? He was talking about how women are all sluts and describing like all the guy you know if i if i looked like this guy or that guy that's why i connected so much with that guy and that's why it was so scary what he ultimately ended up doing because never in my wildest dreams would i have thought i need to kill stephanie and all these other chicks like mm-hmm. so yeah that that i remember that man like I remember thinking that lucky motherfucker and, you know, and, 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 you know, we're deep in conversation and I'm thinking that, you know, maybe like I'm connecting on with a deep, on a deep level. And then she's like, yeah, my ex fucked me all the time and even fucked me in the ass and, uh, you know, like all this other shit. And I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, Ellen, oh, you're still in love with him. Oh, I'm just going to go over here and put this gun in my mouth. Uh, talk to you later. Um, yeah, that was fucking awful. Uh, All right, this next one's Sunday, March 26, 2006. Hey, y'all, what's happening? I thought this spring break was going to end sucky, but it was actually kind of sweet. Friday, I finally got in touch with Brian, and I went over to his house, finally getting out of my house. Um, Me and him and his friend Andrew went to this old record shop, and I bought Rush Moving Pictures and Permanent Waves on vinyl. I also bought Switched on Bach. It's a synthesizer expert who plays all of Bach's pieces on a Moog synthesizer. That's the shit. Unfortunately, I haven't got to listen to it yet because I don't have a record player, which is still the case to this day. I also got Woodstock 94 on VHS. It's sweet. It's got Nine Inch Nails, Primus, Red Hot Chili Peppers, a bunch of good bands on there. And I got two Nine Inch Nails stickers.
1: It wasn't very sweet to be
0: there. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't. Uh, Then we went back to Brian's house and ate pizza. His dad is really nice. Drove home. That's a long drive. Good gravy. That is a long-ass drive. Okay, then Saturday seemed like a normal day, but Chris called me, and he's like, Dude, we're having band practice today. So I took a shit, drove over there, and got lost, but found it. And this is my synopsis. The drummer isn't good at all. Chris is a good guitar player, and I couldn't hear the screamer, but he was probably good. They all really liked my bass skills. They said I did way better than the past three dudes that came out. The drummer is kind of a douche and schnozzle, but then after I hung out with them for a little while, turns out they drink and smoke and shit, so that's good. I'm tired of being in bands that are straight edge or super Christian hypocrite type bands. I am a Christian, but I ain't going to be a hypocrite. I had this dream, and in the dream I stuck my dick in this brick hole and started screwing it, and some friends were around me, and they started laughing, and then I pulled it out and it was all bloody from the brick. And it had a hole in it, and cum was coming out of the hole. Ew!
1: Oh God, it was so Ew. sick.
0: Ew. At least it wasn't Ew. a nightmare like I usually have. I'm gonna try and uh. I'm gonna try and stop looking at porn. It's really messing oh. with my mind. Uh. Let me think. Today I got to shave and get a haircut, so that sucks. Even though this hair is getting annoying, um, not
1: as much as that fucking nightmare. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that's funny about, so at this point in my life, I finally am moving on and hanging out with kids that aren't going to Christian school. Chris McDonough, who I still hang out with to this day, he comes to my shows. Uh, I lost my virginity to his sister. So Josh, we're finally getting to the point where Josh is going to get some action um but chris and his
1: uh, uh where josh is going to score yeah uh that
0: <laughs> was the first group of non christian school friends i had and they oh my mm-hmm. god they they taught me all the glorious wonders of uh public yeah. school kids and not being these uptight douchebags and chris was goth at the t- or like a metalhead he had long hair yeah. and black jeans and black like demonic shirts and shit and i'm like dude what a breath of fresh air from this fucking
1: so he was like damien Nichols yeah pretty much yeah yeah he really looked a lot like that but he was such
0: a cool dude and his family is the shit and they still are and yeah his sister was pretty hot yeah i i, I really enjoyed and
1: he wasn't mad at you for that because i i know some oh he didn't give a shit i know uh a- he was just kind of like, whatever. Like, we were best friends. Because so. there's some people that would be like, you did what
0: with my sister? Yeah, he, he
1: did. Fucking asshole. I, I think she yeah. might have
0: been like a year older or two years older or something. So she, he didn't really care. Uh-huh. Um, all right, this mm. is the last one I'll read, then we'll call it. Monday, March 27th, 2006. So last night was stupid. I had a bad dream that I felt like I was being watched. So I look outside and see a UFO floating by my window. It scared me. And I woke up paranoid and I couldn't go back to sleep, so I stayed What? So I stayed up until it was time to go to school. So now I'm in you
1: a You saw a UFO? It,
0: I, it was a dream. I said I had a dream and I saw it. Oh,
1: I thought I thought you said I had a dream and then I woke up. No, no, no. See that's what that's how it confused me. No. It's like I had a dream and then I woke up and I saw a UFO.
0: Um, so I stayed up until it was time to go to school, so now I'm in a weird place because it's like, I'm tired as fuck, and I'm kinda scared to go to bed, so I'm depressed right now, I would say. They say dreaming about aliens means there is something you are afraid of. The alien represents fear, so apparently I'm afraid of something. But yeah, today was stupid in the respect that I got rode up for fucking up on grading homework, three demerits. I think I might actually have a Saturday work day better than fucking ISS that's in school suspension. So, br-
1: why is it stupid? You probably, if you got written up, you probably, uh, you're probably the dumb one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> for, you know, not, not doing the right thing, more than likely. Probably. How do you get written up for, like, grading someone's work? Like, what? How does that uh, happen?
0: I think they did this thing and it probably was to save time for the teachers. We would give homework, our homework to each other, like the fellow students, yeah. and we would grade each other's homework.
1: Did you do something cheeky like, oh, this sucks? No, I, th- <laughs> I
0: maybe, You're maybe it was a buddy, so I didn't mark his
1: answer wrong when it was wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but that's lame. I, I gotta be, th- you know, now that I think about it, that, that sounds a little stupid. To like mark you down that much for... I mean, it's like, the, the, uh, know, hey, hey,
0: here's some slave la- slave labor. Do our job for us and, and grade all these homework papers. Because
1: we... I, I had done that. I, I I have experience with that too, like even in community college or in, in college. Like sometimes it'd be like, oh, give your work to a classmate and they'll look over it and da-da-da-da and the right notes. But it was never like you're graded by it. You know, it's, it's not a part of the, the grade and... You know, and they were always like be uh, constructive. You know, your criticism needs to be constructive. Yeah, I remember like when I first was doing that kind of stuff, I was a little bit too hard one time. So then they they had to be like, well, we need to make sure that our criticisms are constructive. You know, instead of I'm like, okay, all right, I'm sorry, I'm in review mode. I, <laughs> you know, where I show no mercy to to, to movies and stuff. So I, I shouldn't apply that same approach to somebody's uh, uh, write-ups right. or poems or you know, or uh, uh, creative writing. Although some people, though, and, and some of my speech classes, like, oh my god, some people they just they, they there's a reason why they don't speak in front of, uh, of people that much. Because they just they're incapable of doing it at, at even a basic level. Like, it's honestly really surprising sometimes when, you, like, like, if you've ever been a part of a speech class, like, that's a real eye-opener. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, I go back to
0: here. Um, I watched all of Woodstock 94 last night. It was a really good video. I want to go wood- to Woodstock and expand my mind while listening to kick-ass music. One of my friends went on a big drug binge this weekend, that was probably Zach, and doesn't remember anything. In his drunken stupor, he apparently did cocaine. He's an idiot. He's gonna wind up in jail or dead. He ended up dead, just like his dad, and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't believe- How young was he
1: when he's doing cocaine and doing drug binges? Uh, 17? Fuck. I cannot believe I, like, called all this shit, like, so
0: long ago. Like, oh God. That, like, I, you know, because Zach passed away, like, a few weeks ago, and, like, I'm, like, writing mm-hmm. about... I, I forgot that I, like, wrote about all this stuff. I cared for him, you know? And I got upset when he did this shit. And I say that there's nothing I can do about it except watch him go. It's sad. Drugs really do fuck up people's lives. Well, too much do. Uh, if you really... If you, like, really form a habit, you are fucked. But anyway... I'm in a f- in an off mood. I think I need to watch some Doctor Phil or some shit. I don't know.
1: How are you gonna get in a better mood by watching Doctor Phil? I guess
0: I liked that show back then. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would think like it depends on the episode. Like you might turn on Doctor Phil and it's some depressing, you know episode dealing with like, Tonight we're gonna
0: explore the lady who was born without eyeballs and why she can't stop shooting cocaine into her nipples. (laughs) Uh, How's that working for you? I'm getting real. I go on to say, I'm tired of fucking allergies. It's so annoying. Sneezing all the damn time. Nose always sore.
1: Fucking hate it. Allergies suck. Sores filled. Especially when you don't like, you have symptoms of allergies, but you don't actually have allergies. So when you take, like, allergy meds, you do this other stuff, it just makes shit worse. And then you're, like, like for instance, I was dealing with congestion, and I thought, okay, I'll take a decongestant. And it just made my throat hurt for, like, a day and a half and didn't really do anything. It just made me feel worse. So it's, that just, that's the worst for me, because... If you actually have allergies, you can take some allergy meds, and like you, it, you'll be better. Like it, it'll be like an instant uh, shift in how, how you're feeling. You're not gonna keep sneezing all the time. Blah blah blah. blah. But if it's just like congestion and some allergy symptoms, but it's just related to temperature changes or uh, other things, then that that it's not gonna do anything. There's nothing that you can do. You cannot do anything. Yeah, and that sucks. It sucks. I hate it. it. Sucks it's like uh uh hiccups sometimes or like you try all these different things to get rid of it and then like nothing's working and then you just have to just sit there
0: yeah yeah no that that's i fucking hate that shit i'm
1: thinking can you imagine getting hiccups while you're ha- dealing with allergies yeah, think like that, had, that would be a nightmare just sneezing the hiccup. That's, could you even do that Could your body even be capable of like sneezing and hiccuping at the same time?
0: Mike, I don't know. I really want to finish this journal entry. (laughs) (laughs) We can wax uh, uh, poetic about allergies Uh, some other time.
1: Uh, I know. I got you. I got you. Okay,
0: well, I guess I'm going to go. Steph's been acting kind of weird since she came back from Orlando. In my opinion, something happened between her and Chris more than she is telling me. I'm tired of her weird-ass games. She's so confused, I think. Some people get locked on one person, and because I don't got that nice little sexy skinny frame or some gay shit like that, love really isn't enough at this age. It's really not. Man, this feels weird, because I know certain people are just going to read this and have shit to say. That's what I liked about Zanga, but whatever. I'm not holding back anything, really. This is how it is for me. If you don't like it, don't fucking read it. But anyway, um, girls, girls, fucking annoying girls. Everyone has fucking love. Everyone has love. I have no love. Why am I different? Why am I different? Why am I fucking different? Even those retarded kids have love. Why can't I have fucking love? Because I don't have a body, and I don't have a face, and I'm not sexy, and girls are fucking shallow, and so Fuck you! I really hope I can get in a big band just so I can leave this gay-ass city and start a new life somewhere else with people Uh. who don't think they know me. Everyone here thinks they have me all figured out and think they know exactly how I am when not a damn one of them will give me a chance to be with them. Ugh, just eats away at me all the time to think about it and come and it comes to other guys so easily and they don't even appreciate it. and they don't know how much I would appreciate the shit they have. It just makes me fucking sick. Why am I different?
1: What an incel. Oh man,
0: <laughs> that incel game was strong, buddy. <laughs>
1: I'm reading this I right mean, now, holy shit in my
0: own wo- in my own voice, my own words, but fifteen years ago, uh-huh. and I am appalled yeah at at who I was,
1: uh-huh. and I'm
0: surprised that like I am still in that same body right now, yeah, you know, I was like, uh, this isn't like a little painful sometimes, dude, like
1: yeah this, it would be isn't- it's it's uh inter intros- uh I'm trying to do the right word is uh it's uh introspection it's like a you know it, it
0: reflecting on on the past and yeah. like things that I, I
1: all the painful memories that i've just kind of a lot of it's digging you're digging up the past yeah and uncovering uh uncomfortable and and uh really uh intense and and uh kind of uh frustrating uh moments in, in 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 your life and uh i think it's i think it's actually a, a good thing to do i think it's pro it's helping you put a lot of things in perspective in terms of where you are now uh and in a lot of ways you could maybe look at it as your own little form of therapy yeah i mean you to know? a
0: certain degree it is because like i said i would never i would never sit down and read any of this shit if it wasn't for everyone out there who likes listening to it because that would just to me yeah. that would be weird and it would be pointless Mm -hmm. so like having an audience here with me i feel like i feel like everyone's like kind of holding my hand as i go through these painful moments yeah (laughs) of like it's like it's okay josh i forgot all about about that painful ass moment where i was like my my (laughs) feelings were really hurt and i got rejected time and time again and i never felt good enough and you know it's it, it's just like uh-huh. i
1: just started and then you were you just fell into the stereotypical cliched uh, i'm going to get famous and i'm going to be in a band and i'm not going to do anything with you and you're going to be jealous well, and the, da, 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 you da. know the, yeah. the band kind of
0: served a twofold purpose for me because that was music was the only place where i did find self-esteem and value in myself yeah. and so having like being able to prop myself up with oh I, at least i'm in a band that was like the only thing that yeah. made me special back then
1: because i thought well i i know how you feel because uh for me uh i was struggling a lot in school and junior high and 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 for the, the for the first couple of years of high school like i was just barely you know passing a lot of c's and stuff like that But the one thing I did excel at was choir. Like, I was really good at choir. So that was, like, the only thing that I could really hang my hat on. And
0: if you guys don't believe that Mike is a good singer, then just listen to the end of uh, last week's episode for his (sighs) magical melody of enchantment.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) stop. But, no, yeah. um, Yeah, that was was, uh, something that I definitely uh, fell back onto. and And it helped me a lot. Um, because then it, there was something that I was good at. Um, and I, I think that does help a lot of people in that situation as long. And I think it, it can have a negative effect because you can overrate it. You can, you, you become a little bit, um, over, uh, indulgent or, or, uh, overconfident in that area. But I think at least having something that you're good at, uh, I, I think that helps a lot at that age and and when you're dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff, because that is something you can fall back on. That's something you can use to put things into perspective and be like, you know, I I don't completely suck. You know, I'm not like, I'm not as special or as amazing at all these different things. Like some of these other people in my class or at my school, but, but at least I'm really good at this one thing. And some of the people at my school you know they aren't able to to do this at, at a high level, so you know there's something that I can uh, uh, throw uh, in there in terms of that uh, my talent. So I I think that that's very important cuz I I can I can't even imagine what it would be like if you're just bad at everything. Like that has to be like.
0: Well, some people feel like that. Some people feel awful. like they're not good at anything and I feel so bad for those people yeah. cuz it's like, man, if yeah. I didn't have music like growing up, I Jesus Christ, that would have been that would have been rough. You know, like I hung yeah. I hung my hat on the fact that like I'm I'm good at music. My
1: self-esteem was already pretty low, so it would have been rough for me too if I didn't have choir. Like I would've just been and bad so
0: alright well that's the
1: end of the podcast depressing <laughs> eh. depression
0: <laughs> at least I'm not that way now that's all I can really say you know um, I, I, I'm a long when
1: you actually cringe at your old self instead of being like yeah like you nodding your head you know at moments like that if, if you're like looking at your old posts where you're like mad at girls and doing this other stuff and you're like yeah that's it you're right then 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 something's lost in translation but if you're you're cringing at it and you're being you're reacting in a way where you're like what the fuck man really then then you've come a long way
0: yeah um all right guys uh if you want to subscribe to our patreon it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries Um, Once again, that's Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, You get the podcast early, and for $5 a month, you can um, request what you want us to talk about. Um, You can join our Facebook group by going to Facebook, typing in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries into the search bar, and you can pull up the little groups tab, and you'll be able to find us there. Really awesome group of great people, especially the Canadians. Um, You can... uh, Find uh, you can uh, look up me and Mike separately. You know, maybe you like Mike's vibe a little bit, his dad vibes that he gives off. Maybe you like my my uh, my my stupidity and my um, proclivity to make things weird. Uh, you can get those doses of uh, personality on our YouTube channels. Mike's YouTube channel is YouTube.com/slash OCP Communications. That is OCP Communications. He's a movie. Uh, a freak Uh, he does a lot of movie reviews what was the last movie or video you did
1: so um, the last uh, video I did I uploaded a review of the 1986 uh, buddy cop action uh, comedy Running Scared with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal and uh, I also uploaded a little bit of a mini rant on Disney putting disclaimers in in front of certain episodes of the Muppets uh, because they're offensive. Really? Yeah. The because, yeah. Yeah. The Muppet Show. Certain episodes episodes of the Muppet Show and Disney Plus have disclaimers that you can't skip for twelve seconds. That say something along the lines that this was wrong and bloody bloody blah. Yeah. Our society is so woke now, Mike. And like one of them is literally just a scene where uh Johnny Cash is singing a- a- in like a barn or something, and there's a Confederate flag in the background. And that's the only reason why there's a disclaimer in front of that episode. Well, I mean, I guess I can understand. I I understand, but like, God for I mean, God forbid any of these people watch Dukes of Hazard. There's a Confederate flag on the top of the General Lee (laughs) in every episode. Um, I mean, I can understand, but I to me, I, I think when it comes to something like this. I can see what they're going for, but for me, it's just opening up a Pandora's box, and I think it's not necessary. People just need to start thinking for themselves. And instead of having uh, all of these different media outlets and other people uh, think for them, and force them to think a certain way. Because I think that's dangerous. To have this whole like narrow-minded way of looking at things. And trying to make that, like, that's the only way. Because uh, that's how you can actually get easily manipulated. I will say, and, in regards and, to... And lose their, a lot of, a lot of I things. I will
0: saying in regards to the Rebel Flag, you know, me growing up in the South, I, I have yet to meet a person who rocks the Rebel Flag, and they're able to, on an intellectual level, explain uh, the historical significance, um, and, and this, and, you know... And, yeah. and and justify their pride uh it's 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 really more of a at 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 bare minimum it's it's like a, yeah, a boys club where it's lo- or, or yeah. it's like a clubhouse like oh we I, I, you know we like uh-huh. country music and hunting so this is our our clubhouse yeah. sign
1: i get that but you know it, it, it's that's with the provided context. If it's just a decoration in the background, like you do, I don't even think you need to like have a disclaimer. Like I just don't because it's not like the song itself is about the Confederacy. The song itself is about this or that. It, it's yeah. Well, think about this though. Like, like, I
0: mean, and, and I know people are gonna like roll their eyes at this statement. But like, what if what if it was like a Nazi flag in the background? It's like ah, that's just a decla- uh, a decoration. But you know, that would definitely be problematic. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's it's like, and, and down here in the south, they have this saying to go: "It's heritage, not hate." Yeah. And it's like, okay, but that flag was literally the flag of the Confederacy, the side uh-huh. that was, like, fighting to keep human beings as property. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, so, even if I that's mean, your it- heritage, you should be a little ashamed of your fucking heritage. It's not a good heritage. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And again, but this just is coming from someone way- who had a Southern daddy and a Southern family, and all. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'm denouncing yeah. it, like I'm. I don't.
1: But if we're if we're at the point where we have to have disclaimers in front of the Muppet Show, it's kind of like uh, we we don't really need to have that. Yeah. Like we didn't have to have that for how many fucking years. We were able to think for ourselves. I was and thinking be like, it was
0: going to be in. So, I thought, I was thinking there was going to be like some. There was going to be some kind of like like the rebel flag. I honestly understand the disclaimer for that. But if it, if it, I thought it was going to be something
1: like Kermit said something that was well, they do. They do have some other ones where the the humor is offensive. You know, the jokes are you know again that they don't uh, align with current Kermit, sensibilities Kermit calls
0: Gonzo a dirty Jew or something in one of the
1: episodes. And... <laughs> no no not to that extent i i don't know exactly all the details but i just think it, it, i understand they're trying to open a discussion but the way that disney is doing it is very heavy-handed and and i just i don't i i just don't think the there is as many positives to having all these disclaimers in front of things that are offensive to current sensibilities uh it's one of those things where you just for yourself oh if you look at okay there's a confederate flag okay that's not something I believe in I'm not really necessarily aligned with that but um, uh, it, it's not really that big of a deal to me and, and I think there's a lot of people who would uh, feel the same way um, it, 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 and uh, it ties into I also uh, talked about uh, the new Tom and Jerry movie And there's a line of dialogue in that film where they have this conversation that's unbelievably awkward, where a bunch of people are saying, like, oh, it's a male mouse. But how are you sure it's a male mouse? It could be a female mouse or it could be gender fluid. You're just like. They said that in the movie? Yes. Gender fluid Jerry. Oh, geez. Yes. Yes. We're in a
0: different time indeed. Uh huh. So,
1: and then it's just it's just one of those things where yeah
0: well you know what mike get ready to see more of that i mean times are changing i am
1: i, I am already prepared for that because the media has opened up pandora's yes, box yes, with these things they've opened it up and they've given way too much power to mobs on twitter and certain sections of uh the left to you know wield this whole uh, censorship and gender politics uh, and, all. and all this other stuff with uh, the wield a blunt hammer and if, if you're not going to curb that if you're not going to say hey you know are you the ones that are paying to see these films are you the ones that are paying for these shows are you the ones that are fans of these properties if not then why are we giving you this much power? See, that's the thing I don't understand. I do not believe for one second that these television shows, like the Flintstones or the Muppet Show or old stand-up shows, or uh, there, there's—I've heard uh, from someone overseas that there are disclaimers before episodes of Seinfeld on television.
0: Jeez. that 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 so, show got a fucking got a Glad Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, For their, So um, we're getting
1: to the point where we have that kind of stuff going on and it's like, I understand yes, some things in the past were problematic but you have to put things into context and you can it is not fair to hold current sensibilities and political values and put them against what was going on in the past they had no idea what our current beliefs are, they had no idea what was what was considered not acceptable back then on the same level so it's not fair to to apply this uh kind of approach to me it just it doesn't it it, there's no way that they would have known that it was going to be considered to be as problematic as it is to certain people today and on top of that it's just one of those things where it's getting scary because you're getting episodes of the Muppet show that are getting banned because one of the got one of the, the, the replacement host later in his life got busted for child pornography. It's like, yes, that's fucked up. But by banning these episodes or preventing these things from airing or trying to erase these uh, things from history, you're making other people who weren't necessarily involved with pedophilia or any of that somehow implicit in what happened. And you're erasing and censoring uh, their work. I think And They did uh, nothing wrong. I think Mike's
0: replicating his rant video on here, so you don't even have to go to his YouTube channel. They
1: did nothing. They did nothing wrong. So it's just it's just something that definitely does get me heated because it's just it's getting out of control, and you're getting things banned and removed because oh, so and so did something later, and it's like yeah, that's messed up, but I, I I don't think that's that's right. I really don't. But so
0: yeah, go to Mike's YouTube channel if you want to hear more of that.
1: I mean, that'd be like, hey, Led Zeppelin or, or some of these other bands that were uh, that oh, had histories. Oh, trust of... me,
0: my friend, that has already come out. Uh, there's uh, yeah. uh, David Bowie. Uh, you know now now because like Hollywood and the the press love going after stars when they die. They love bringing up all mm-hmm. their dirty laundry. Uh, yeah. The, uh, so, someone published an article about like the problem with David Bowie, and they went on about how he had sex with uh, the 16 year old girl when he was at the height of his popularity, and and or multiple uh, mm-hmm. underage women or whatever the fuck. Um, you know. So yeah, that's you know. But my you know my whole thing with that is like I, I've always been able to separate the art from the person. It's like all mm-hmm. the stuff going on with Marilyn Manson right now is like. I was running on my treadmill today, and um, one of his songs came on. And halfway into the video, I remembered, like, "Oh yeah, he's going through some shit right now, with um, you know, sex al- or you know, sexual abuse allegations." Yeah. And then I started thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, but but this this isn't Brian White or whatever you know his real name is. This is Marilyn Manson, uh, a character, and this is a performance that I'm watching. This has nothing to do with his personal life i don't know his personal life i don't want to know about his personal life the art that the person makes it should have nothing i mean i don't know like like people cover charles charles manson songs to this fucking day you know there i guess since it happened so long ago it's not as you know people don't get as heated about it and and it almost becomes like oh cool yeah, that's so you know edgy or whatever. But because he
1: worked with the he worked with uh uh Dennis the, Dennis uh, Wilson and
0: Beach Boys. Yeah, yep.
1: The Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. He
0: uh fucking Dennis Wilson was the dumbest of the Wilson brothers. He was the drummer and he he was the more naive one. And he he just fucking these two chicks mm-hmm. picked him up in a car and brought him to meet Manson. He's like, yeah, you're pretty cool. All you guys can come hang out in my Beach Boy mansion, and it just became a house of debauchery and. Mike Love, the conservative stick-up-his-ass member of the band, was like, I am not cool with any of this stuff, man. This is jive. I'm out of here. And it was uh, this whole thing. And Brian Wilson was just pretty much high. But, uh, yeah, it's a different topic. Anyway, speaking of music, if you want to go to my (laughs) channel, I talk more about the music side of things. Uh, You can go to youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. That is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. The last video I did was a review of the Chris Cornell pop album, Scream. Yes, the lead singer of 90s grunge band, beloved 90s grunge band Soundgarden, lead singer Chris Cornell in 2009 did a solo record where he worked with producer Timbaland. Um, and it was a straight-up pop album with uh, a grunge singer's voice over it, and it was a wacky and wild time. And uh, I don't hate the album. I don't. I don't love it, but uh, I thought it was a fun little, you know, cheesy thing, and and that's all it was meant to be. But at the time, critics were railing at him, you know, being like, "Oh, this is so awkward." And I'm sure if they're if I mean if it was reviewed nowadays, I'm sure everyone'd be going, "Oh, it's so cringe! oh, cringe!" I love how all these kids act like, you know, that they, they they're just like the fucking they're they are the judge, uh, jury, and executioner when it comes to labeling things cringe. It's like, dude, you're fucking cringe. Like, why don't you make something and put it out there and and be vulnerable? Anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, my <laughs> channel.
1: I'm pretty sure somebody cringed right at that.
0: No, I mean, I just feel, I feel like that like, word is so fucking overused now. I feel like it's just a way for, like, Zoomers to make themselves seem like like they're cooler and edgier than everyone else by calling other people cringe. Now, yes, there are things that are legitimately cringe, but I just feel like that's an overused word nowadays.
1: Well, that's how I feel about cheesy. That's a That's an overused word, too.
0: I don't know. I don't hear cheesy as much as I hear cringe. Um, but anyway, I've got to take a dump, so we're going to have to end this podcast. But uh, until next week, I'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: Uh, bye. What about see ya? <laughs>
0: okay, we're just going to end on that. And, uh, I mean, look, I've done it before. I've my, my other good friend, who's still my good friend, who, again, I won't name. Um, I dated... Um, one of his exes and he told me that all of his any girl he talked to in the past was fair game except this one chick and i was like all right man and then like maybe six months to a year later she starts coming out to my gigs and i'm like hey you know and i'm i'm at a lonely place in my life at that point and i just kind of wanted the attention and i wanted and you know she was really attractive too and i was like fuck it you know um at at that time my the best friend that i'm speaking of wasn't really being that great of a friend to me anyway Uh so i was just like fuck his how he feels about it i'm just gonna do it." it and it ruined our friendship as um as i as i figured it would and i dated this girl for maybe nine months and we broke up and um you know that was the thing it's like i had been friends with this guy for like seven or eight years and i threw it all away for like nine months of someone that i you know turns out we really weren't that you know great together i mean we were okay but it was just kind of like lackluster like i wasn't i wasn't Uh head over heels for this chick it was just you know whatever good sex and someone to hang out with and um so then I got I, I then the regret really hit me because I was like oh man like if I could have gone back I would I would have kept my fr- friendship with my best friend and you know and just talk to a different chick instead of like yeah. you know this and I don't know maybe uh, the guy who screwed me over recently will have that same revelation but man this is gonna have to be a big fucking apology because uh, this was a big fuck up um but anyway that's that's what's been going on it wasn't on. a
1: fuck up it's a big fuck you yeah
0: it's a big fuck me it was um but it's all good man yeah, I, got, I mean,
1: there's a difference between like fucking up and a slip up and in a, a giant middle finger yeah you know, yeah i mean straight up fucking you in the ass you know by you know doing something all right, like that Mike, let's let's try to keep it a little pg-13 here all right
0: there's kids listening <laughs> kids listening now, yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes I get comments from people saying, "Oh, I was listening to it in the car with my kids." I'm like, "Uh, you know, I don't have kids, so I am I'm, I'm in no place to judge, but I don't know if I would play our podcast
1: for kids." Yeah, we're not it's not safe for kids. You know, kids. even though like And not safe for work either, even, really, yeah, if you think no. about it.
0: Even though when I was a kid, like I could totally handle like the the you know, like dude, kids were swearing in in first grade at my public school because I did go to public school in first grade. Yeah, dude. Kids were already saying "fuck" and they are. They were. They were saying everything. Like they were awful. <laughs> like,
1: I well, mean, it's like it's like the kids uh, who really liked RoboCop. They liked uh, the RoboCop films, not just because it was like a, a, a cool character, but because it was violent and there was swearing yeah. and there was drug use and there was all this fucking crazy shit. Because kids in the '80s. I it, from what I've been reading for people who lived uh, in that particular era, uh, they they were kind of badass. <laughs> yeah, you know, they they were like they, they did not give a shit. Like they they weren't nearly as uh, sensitive as a lot of kids are, you know, or parents or people are nowadays. Like they weren't triggered by uh swear words or or violence or so on and so forth kids
0: me i'll speak for myself so i don't piss anyone off i felt like i was a mini adult who just lacked a lot of knowledge that that my parents had my parents knew how to pay bills and drive a car and all that but on a mental level i felt like i i felt like i should have been treated the same as them so whatever they want, whatever they watch, whatever music they listen to, I wanted to listen to it too because I felt like I could handle it, and I wanted to get into the adult world as fast as possible. I, I was like anti Michael Jackson, like I I hated <laughs> being looked at as a child and less than you know. Oh, you can't do that. You're just a kid, or you can't watch that because you're too young, and uh, all that all that shit.
1: So. Um, I w- you were not about maintaining your innocence.
0: No, not at all. I wanted to get exposed to as much of of I, you know. I've always been a knowledge freak, I, I, an information freak. Um, I, I wanted to expose myself to as much as what the world. To,
1: in a lot of ways, Josh is like Johnny Five from uh, Short input. Circuit. He just wants more I need Input. input. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I wish girls would say that more often to me, and then point to my wang. <laughs> that was gross. Okay, I just said we're trying to keep this PG thirteen. Then I said some some juvenile, gross, dumb joke. Like you know, it's no wonder we're three and a half stars on on Apple iTunes. When when we were the first, not only that, one of the first podcasts about unsolved mysteries, but I got the interviews with people who are on the fucking show. Yet somehow we're ranked the lowest i think out of all the other unsolved mysteries podcasts
1: well we've also been around uh quite a long time so we've uh, collected more reviews than some other yeah uh podcasts who cover the same thing though a lot of a lot of one stars well it's just because people just don't like us we're an acquired taste yeah yeah we really are Anyway,
0: um, Mike, quick, quickly tell us how you're doing. If there's anything of note, if not, we can move
1: Um, on. I'm doing pretty good. I I got another interview today with Lowe's. I thought they think it went really well. Uh, They did. It's 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 better, but like it's still like 13, 16 hours a week. So like I could use another job. Um, and uh, what was funny about the Lowe's interview was I went to uh the location closest to my house uh, yesterday because I thought that I had an interview yesterday at that location, but then they're like, uh, we don't see you on the list. We don't like, and I, I was like, Oh, and they're like, uh, maybe you applied uh, for the other location in Vancouver. And I'm like, Oh yeah, probably. But then, uh, the man, one of the managers, she's like, but we are hiring. So, uh, how about, uh, you show up for an interview tomorrow at, 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 one, you know, cause it was yesterday. So I have my interview, uh, uh, for real today instead of just waiting awkwardly and then dealing with that whole awkward moment where it's like, uh, we don't really have you on, on the list. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I still, oh, I brought funny. my resume and gave it to the manager and then I talked to, uh, uh, the, f- manager today and i thought i answered the questions well i tried this time around to be a little bit more laid back than i was in the uh, some of the other interviews uh to let my personality uh out a little bit more uh not necessarily to the point where i'm not taking it seriously but you know just kind of being a little bit more uh, uh light instead of heavy and, and serious and and i i think uh that enabled me to have a little bit more of a connection with with uh, the interviewer uh i tried to maintain as much eye contact as i possibly could uh and, and in a way that was natural and not like forced <laughs> you know that's sort of a difficult thing it's like to maintain eye contact without it seeming like you're staring at someone <laughs> you know
0: The only time I find it hard is when I become aware that I'm looking at them in the eye and then I get self-conscious about it. But if I just like, if, if I'm like looking at them yeah. in the eye and kind of my mind somewhere mm-hmm. else, it's not hard for me to make eye contact. But then I, if I start overthinking it too much, like, oh, I'm staring at them too Especially long. Especially if it's and like it's weird a girl that, and, you know, that
1: you're, you're into, know. I'm not saying that's the case with the, the manager, but like, if it's, if you're out in public and it's a girl you're into, like, you don't want to be caught staring at her. That that's just, it's just kind of creepy. What if
0: what if you're what if she's at home and you're looking through the window? Is <laughs> no, that okay? that's
1: that's stalking. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a complete different scenario. Um, oh, okay. See, I'm glad I I'm glad I have you for. These what are things. you stalking, girls again, Josh? Um. <laughs> uh,
0: um, I uh, would use the word admire. I was no, now see the th- the funny thing is like if I can't even maintain a relationship because like I- I'm like just kind of mm-hmm. not big into the commitment and it takes up too much time. Do you really think I'm gonna like make time to stalk? Something? You know you gotta you gotta spend so much of your fucking free time doing that, and it's just I, I don't I don't have the energy to yeah or the fucks to give to stalk anybody. So that's good. So for any listeners out there, just be you know feel good about that you know when it comes to me that i probably don't have time or the will to stalk you (laughs) this has gotten weird um let's
1: go into the podcast i love how i go from interview
0: once again i
1: stalking and once again
0: i seamlessly put my foot in my mouth i was just
1: joking you know i was just throwing that out there as a gag
0: (laughs) don't don't i make it look easy though? Hey, we're we're talking about stalking now you're he saying ma- stuff like gag. Now he makes uh double entendres here. Being
1: weird or awkward is 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 like second nature to Josh. Yeah, pretty
0: much.